Welcome to Game Face, episode 92 on Sifted.net. We're taking you into your July 4th weekend. And I have a very special guest with me today, Brent Phillips, returning for your third engagement on Game Face. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. The trifecta? Hopefully not the last. Definitely not. Uh, Matt is out. He is on vacation for a couple weeks. Um, He is 50-50 whether he'll be back next week. So we'll have another guest host next week, probably 50-50. but Brent, thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. Quick update on what you've been up to? Not a whole lot. I've actually gotten back into EVE Online. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I like playing games that are, like, brand new. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. And there's not, like, a whole bunch of new stuff coming out right now. Yeah. Um, we, we just launched a new show mm. called Shane's Addiction, where I take a look at games that are, like, building a lot of groundswell and people say are addictive. I watched that show. Yeah, in the first episode, Player, Unknown Battlegr- Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Um, and then someone in the comments said, hey, can we request games mm-hmm. for this show? And I was like, absolutely, hit me up. And by the way, absolutely hit me up. Go into the show and request games that you'd like to see. But the, one of the first requests was EVE Online. Oh, I could do one of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about it being called Shane's Addiction, but <laughs> oh, just well, paste over the logo and just put your name there. <laughs> it, it is a it is a fifty fifty shot whether or not you will get addicted to Evo. <laughs> is it really? How much do you like spreadsheets and spaceships? Yeah, and ultimate fear. Yeah, I will admit when somebody <laughs> requested that game, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm not particularly excited to uh, give that game a spin because I kind of know what it is and I'm not a big fan of those games. So uh, you doing it would be great. Sure. Shane's addiction, colon, Brent's addiction. There we go. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I know a lot of you guys don't live in the U.S., but we are heading into the July 4th weekend here. And July 4th this week, or this year, falls in the middle of the week. Uh, But for whatever reason, corporate America has designated this weekend instead of next weekend as July 4th weekend. So, no traffic in L.A., which is nice. I got here real real fast. Um, But, yeah, a lot of your favorite gaming sites in the U.S. are going to be MIA for the next few days while everyone's on vacation, just to give you a heads up. So, curation should be minimal over the next three or four days. I think even Monday, probably, it'll be pretty slow. I know my wife, uh, where she works, like, most people didn't work today, and they all took off Monday. Because I think, isn't July 4th Tuesday? Yes, the third is Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's Tuesday. So actually, the gaming sites may not be back up and running fully until like Wednesday. Wednesday, So we're hitting a dead zone here. Actually, we've we've been in a dead zone. (laughs) Even deader. There are post-E3 laws, and then there's the post-E3 law of 2017. Um, It was really hard getting stuff together for the show, but instead of just going game by game like we typically do, we've actually brought a couple fun topics into the show this week. I think it's going to be... A different episode, but a fun episode for you guys. Um, we'll, we'll get the first. Actually, the first topic we'll we'll get to almost immediately because it's one of them. The first one is called "Would You Rather." I'm sure everyone's played this game um, at parties or whatever when you're an underage drinker. I think that's what where games like that are tend to be played. We're gonna do it for video games, and I'm gonna ask <clears throat> Brent the questions, and he's gonna tell me what he thinks about each one. And we have another one at the end of the show called "High Low." Um, and I'll get to that whenever uh, whenever we, we reach that point. But, Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks uh, for having me. Yep, let's get this thing going. So, would you rather, Brent, we have one, two, three, four, five questions for you. And I will say... 
I have not seen this. That's collection. right. So I came in. I came in with the rundown for the show, mm-hmm. and Brent went to pick it up, and I was like, No, 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 no. I'm like, Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm like, right you, there. He can't see not the questions. Not allowed to touch it. Yeah, you can't see the questions first because that kind of ruins the surprise. So Brent has not seen any of these questions for Would You Rather. He's also not seen any of the questions for High Low. Just so you know. So the first question, Brent. Yeah. Would you rather buy a Nintendo Switch? Or an Xbox One X? Nintendo Switch. And why? <laughs> uh, Keep it in Mar- mind, you're a, you're a tech head. Like, you have, you know, you have a beefy PC and... I have a really beefy PC. I actually just got a new one yeah. pretty recently. Um, Is that why you don't want the Xbox One X? No, it's because of Mario and Rabbids XCOM game. That looks so fun to me. Yeah. Um, really just that and Mario and... Um, you know, it, I actually have faith in the Switch as being something I want to own now after E3. And, like, both Mario and the Rabbids game are coming out this year, theoretically. So, yeah, um, yeah it's time. If there's ever a sale or something, I'm just going to grab it. I mean, if I bought it now, I don't even know what I'd play on it. So i got to wait for something. But. Have you been trying to buy a Switch all mm-hmm. this time? You haven't. What put you over the tipping point? E3? Uh, yeah, E3. S- Stupid, the Rabbids game. I, the I Rabbids know, that, game. That, that looks like a lot of fun me. to me. I really like XCOM I know you're a fan a of XCOM, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this looked like the right mixture of just silly and tactics. And um, I wanted to play Mario regardless. I mean, I don't know that Mario is a system seller for me because it's still... It's Mario. I, I don't yeah. know that it's going to be so wildly different from Galaxy or anything else that right. it's going to change my life. But I'm definitely going to buy it if I get a Switch. Um, so, yeah. How proactive have you been in trying to get a switch? Zero. So you haven't I just been decided like, following like last week, like so tweets or anything like that when they go well, on sale follow, I, or... Yeah, I follow some of that. I mean, I, I am, I am hopeful that I will get one when the time comes. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think everyone's going to decide that Mario is the time to get one. So your target date is like end of the year when yeah, base, yeah. when Xbox One X comes out. So you're legitimately yeah. going to have to make that choice at that point, or will you get both? I don't think I would ever get the x yeah i don't know i don't have a 4k tv and the ps4 pro looks fine and if not my computer looks even better and most of the like microsoft exclusive stuff comes out on pc too so so basically what separates it for you is the exclusives yeah and the fact that you'd rather me the xbox doesn't have any because all their exclusives are on the pc and you just build an awesome one yeah i have a feeling a lot of people are going to be making this decision in q4 though whether they get the switch or an xbox one x so i thought that might be a pertinent question to ask i mean if you're if you're strictly a console gamer and you don't have a pc to fall back on i still kind of think the switch is the way to go if you didn't have a wii u which is a lot of people which is most people yeah i mean you get zelda and mario and whatever else comes out on the switch and like what do you get if you get an Xbox One X? Nothing. You could, that you couldn't get to? <laughs> Nothing that they've shown, yeah. really. So, I don't know. I mean, there will be fun games on the Xbox. It's not like if you own an Xbox, you're left in the cold. It's just, it's not selling itself over the others. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. Brent, would you rather, and this is a very similar question, <laughs> would you rather buy PlayStation VR or Xbox One X? Because I think that's another question people are going to have this holiday season. Uh, I am likely not to get either, but if I had to choose... <laughs> that's not an option. <laughs> if, I, if I had to choose, I'd do PlayStation VR. Yeah? How come? Uh, it's totally different. I don't have a yeah. VR system, and I do have a PS4 Pro, so I theoretically could run fun stuff on it. And I don't know. I still think the VR is going to be a really fun weekend, and then I'm never going to touch it again. Yeah. 
It's kind but. of been that way for me. Like, games come out here and there, mm-hmm. and I'll literally dust it off. Like, <laughs> literally, every time I pick it up, it is covered in dust because I haven't played it for a long time. And then I'll play those games for a few days, typically. Uh, like, it happened for Werewolves Within from Ubisoft. I played that for a week. And uh, when Star Trek Bridge Crew came out, I played that for a week. Yeah. But all kind of... One thing I would say about PlayStation VR is that the filler games aren't worth playing. Like, whereas, like, a lot of the filler games for just regular PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or Switch, like, a lot of those are worth at least giving a go. Um, but, you know, I get codes for a lot of these games, and I honestly don't even feel like playing them, like, at all. So... What, aren't you also pain and nausea, like, every I time do. you put it's that ha- Yeah, on, it is so. really hard for me. Yeah, that, that, I, that is certainly a big deterrent, for it, without a doubt. It does, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, is it going to be worth it? I'm like, yeah. is this experience... Gonna be worth because how bridge, many times am I gonna throw up for this? Right, yeah, like Bridge Crew and Werewolves Within, you just sit still, so I'm fine with games like that. But yeah, yeah. the more action-oriented games, I think really hard before I decide to put on the helmet. So I can understand your response there. Uh, it's, it's PlayStation VR. It's kind of the same answer you gave for Switch because PlayStation VR is giving you something that you're not going to get. Yeah, that I can't get anywhere else. Right. I mean, if I was going to buy a VR system, that'd probably be the last one I chose. Yeah. Um. Just so I you, would, you would put up the extra money for Vive or Oculus Rift instead of buying PlayStation VR. And it's a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, if I was going to buy one, I mean, I guess Vive's, what, 800 and Oculus is like 6 Yeah. And VR's 3 4, Four? Yeah. Well, certainly, I would probably, yeah, I would just do it. If I was yeah. going to do it, I'd get a Vive and do it right. Um, I'm still going to kind of, I think I'm going to wait for Generation 2 of this like the stuff, new, if there is one. The new head-mounted displays. Yeah, um... It, which is either new prices for this stuff or um, kind of just the next tech level of... Yeah, I, I think some of this is... I mean, if you look at a lot of VR games, they kind of look like old PC games because all of a sudden... No, they you have do, to, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you have to run this stuff at like 120 frames per second and like it's half the power left to do everything else. Yeah. And so we're kind of waiting on... Even Vive and Rift games aren't especially impressive, man, like visually... I mean, and, you know, there some of those are using crazy PCs, but you yeah. still kind of have to... I mean, in theory, you could play, like, Skyrim through your Vive and, like, really crank that shit, but you're still sort of looking through a screen door a little bit. Yeah. So uh, PlayStation are, are VR moments. is really bad for that. Yeah. It's yeah. A, just, just a way lower resolution. Yeah. Um, okay. And I, I can't answer any of these because I have all these already so Ooh. i'm not bragging i'm just saying i'm just explaining why i am not adding commentary from I my know. perspective uh, the next one brent would you rather and this is a tough one play sony's exclusives or N- nintendo's exclusives for the rest of your life you could only pick one the rest of my life yeah uh... <laughs> sony sony it's tough. That's a tough one, but, like, it's sort of what I was saying before, is I don't... Mario games and Zelda games... Well, this Zelda in particular was different than the... Yeah. A lot before. And they all like, probably will be going forward. They'll but a lot of them... The but I don't know that they're going to... Yeah, they're not going to be different than this one. Right. They're right. just... This was the big paradigm shift, yeah. But, uh, you know, the stuff Sony buys, like, Bloodborne was super crazy. You got Spider-Man, stuff like that. Like, that's... I mean, you have Uncharted. Not available somewhere. The Last else. of Us, Detroit. Yeah. I mean, it all goes the Naughty on Dog games. Yeah, yeah. I kind of forgot about Naughty Dog. So yeah, definitely Sony. It's it's tough. That's a tough call for me. Um, I mean, really freaking tough because the way I look at it is Nintendo. What have you got left for Nintendo? Like, really, you've got 
you got Mario coming this year, and you got Metroid in an uncertain future. Smash Brothers, obviously. Smash I'm not Brothers. a huge Smash fan. You are, though. You used to play Smash Brothers like crazy. I love Smash Brothers, and I would just... Uh, I don't I like don't Smash Brothers. Like, I honestly have not even... I think the last one I played for like an hour before I quit playing it. Well, I was a big fan of Melee, the um, Yeah, you guys used GameCube to have... We, we talked about that on the show before. You used to have tournaments in your office at yeah. Game Trailers. At lunch. Literally, like, eight people in there yelling and screaming and having a good time. I love that. It's, that's the spirit of gaming to me. So, man, for me, that is a tough freaking call. It's like Nintendo's games tend to innovate more. But... The, is that true anymore? Compared to Sony's exclusives? For sure, yeah. I think compared to anyone's exclusives, really. The, I feel like Nintendo's games are more unique and different. Um, Sony... Well, arguably, Sony's exclusives... Especially like Naughty Dog are refinements of the genre. Like The Last of Us is one of the greatest games of all time. Today. Right. And The Last of Us too. Can't say that about a lot of Nintendo games. Really? Yeah. You can't say that a lot of Nintendo games are some of the best games ever made. Not recently. Yeah. We're not. We're not talking about Nintendo sixty four games. We're I mean, talking about Breath of the Wild, highest scored game ever. I liked Breath of the Wild. It's not the best game in the world for me. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the show and you know my, yeah. my stance on it. Great game, but not... Oh, yeah. I had a blast playing Not it, in that but... god tier for me. But uh, I don't know. I think... Man, that is such a tough call. <laughs> mm. You know what? I think... I think I would have to go Sony. And I think what, what is the deal breaker for me is that Sony has a bigger focus on bleeding edge tech. Yeah. I feel like... Every Nintendo exclusive, at least on a technical, from a technical perspective, is going to be a step behind what Sony has. I mean, at the very least, for the next generation, they're going to be a step behind. Oh, I mean, the next generation, it's like not even a step. It's like a yeah. whole flight of stairs, essentially. <laughs> but I think Nintendo will start to close that gap over time. But I still feel like Sony is always going to have the bleeding edge tech, and Nintendo is always going to be kind of have maybe a half step behind. Um, in conjunction with the fact that Sony, you know, won it, the quality of its exclusives are right up there with the quality of Nintendo's exclusives. Um, and They've two, been very good about what they what they locked down. And the other perspective I have with Sony's exclusives is that there is a bigger variety of genres. Mm-hmm. A lot of Nintendo's exclusives are kind of very similar. In fact, almost all of them are like, at this point, are platformers or side-scrolling platformers. So I feel like once you play kind of one of them, you're getting that... Yeah, game. you're good to go on the rest. Yeah. Whereas with Sony, I mean, you're, you're getting games for younger crowds still. They just put out Crash, Bandicoot, and Sane Trilogy, which we will not talk about on the show today. <laughs> I am not a fan. Um, but Sony, I just feel like its exclusives cover, cast a much wider net across the industry in general. And you see Sony, even Sony's really starting to innovate in other areas too, like the whole PlayLink thing that it showed off at E3. Did you see that stuff? Mm-mm. They're like games where they're cooperative games where people use their mobile phones and it goes through like the network and then interacts with the PlayStation 4 game. Oh, that sounds cool. It is. Um, I always thought the, you know, in like Mario Galaxy, the second player could take their wand and like collect yeah. stars and stuff. I don't understand why more games don't do shit like that. Yeah, where just the person watching with you can just... At least has something to do. They can ping on your map or do something. Right, yeah. What is it? Uh, Black Flag could do some yeah. stuff like that. Yep. I, I don't know why there's no more of that. Yeah, I don't either. So it's a tough call, though, because to me, the quality of Nintendo software is extremely high. Um, and Nintendo also <laughs> tends to take a gameplay first focus to a lot of its games. Um, and, you know, just the idea of not being able to play any new Metroid games ever again or not being able to play a new Mario or a new Zelda, that's hard for me. But I just think it's, it's a cumulative effect um, for Sony. That, uh, and I also feel like Sony does a lot better job of paying for third-party exclusives as well. 
Yeah. Whereas Nintendo really doesn't do that at all. Like, the only time it really does it was, like, Bayonetta 2. Um, it's very rare for Nintendo to kind of like... And then the Capcom 5 from the GameCube era, uh, where they worked that deal with Capcom for five games, and then half of them ended up coming to other platforms anyway. So, um, yeah, I guess I have to go with Sony on that. I want to take a quick look in the chat here and see if any of our, uh, our viewers have... <laughs> What a fucking joke question, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fratterly is one of the bigger Nintendo fans on Sifted. I see him on the site all the time talking about Nintendo. Uh, there's Sony. There's Nintendo, Nintendo, Sony. I don't know, it's pretty even. Sony all the way. <laughs> don't look in chat. <laughs> Why? No, that's what he said. Oh. <laughs> It looks like it's a pretty even split, so I think that was a pretty good question, ultimately. I think yeah, both of us struggled with that a little bit. I could easily understand anyone's choice for either. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see the next one. Let's do it. Brent, would you rather... That's another good one. Play games at 1080p, 60 frames per second, or 4K at, at 30 frames per second? Uh, what game? Doesn't matter. It's like all my games are now that. Which is kind of what 4K is, I mean, so far. Like, Xbox One X, like, every, every developer has come out and said, we're pegging 30 frames. Uh, 1080, 60. 1080, 60. So frame rate's that important to you? It is. Um, I mean, not everyone can perceive frame rates like that. Like, yeah. uh, my buddy Ryan, we found this website that had, like, tests where it would show videos next to each other, and it was like, pick which one is higher frame rate, and he, like, failed all of them. He, he can't, he he can't see, like, over 20. Um, but I definitely can, and that makes a huge difference to how I feel about a game, whereas, uh, you know, I, I can play 1080p just fine. I mean, like, yeah. I've got a, um, a 1440p computer, the widescreen one, and, like, it's not so much better than the 1080p that I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, yeah. like, the widescreen part is, but, like, if it was just 1440p... And then you, I guess you do that scale one more time to get to 4K. Like, I'm just yeah. not sure it's going to make a huge difference to... Not in the way that the frame rate does. I'm going to go 4K 30 frames yeah, per second. Yeah, you like the 4K? Yeah. One thing I would say about 60 frames per second is... <clears throat> sometimes if I watch other people play games that are 60 frames per second and they're not very good, I get sick. <laughs> yeah? Because <laughs> it's just like they jerk around like so fast and there's like... And for me, look, I can see the difference. I'm like you. I can see the difference between 60 and 30. Um... And I just don't think it makes that much of a difference. I mean, there are certain genres where I, where I prefer to have 60 frames per second. First-person shooter is obviously one of them. Um, but the, the other thing to consider is that you're not really comparing 16 to 30 all the time like this. You're comparing, say, 50 to, like, 24. You know, like, these games dip a lot of times. Most of these games are pretty... 30. Most games now are pretty consistent pegged at 30, if that's what they hope to do. Now, games that try to run 60, you will definitely... If you watch a lot of the Digital Foundry stuff, you'll see those yeah. dip down all the time. But most games, at least at this point, the middleware and everything has gotten so good that they're pegging, like, 30 frames 4K? per second. 4K? Oh, no, 4K... That's what know. I'm saying. 4K 30 is actually 4K like 25. Right. And then the 1080p gotcha. 60 is probably like in your 50s. Like in the 50s is fine for me. I can't really tell. But Now Forza Motorsport 7 does run in 4K 60 frames per second. 
A racing game, yeah, you're going to be good. Because the environments are empty, and that game does look empty, I will say. Like, there's really nothing off the side of the tracks, like, in most of the... Well, what it looks worse so than Forza Horizon to me. Uh, I mean, I don't agree with that. I mean, on a technical level, it's superior, but I would also agree that... It's just more going on. There is, yeah, yeah okay. in Horizon, yeah, without a doubt. Um, that has been my big gripe with Forza Motorsport since it launched, is that it's like all the focus is on the cars, and that leaves... The, the rest of the track just completely bereft of any well, sort you, of detail. You see the cars for like a split second and you're like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not like, that's not what you're looking at. And they're worried about the modeling the cockpit and that kind of stuff. And yeah. Do you play racing games from inside the car? I hardly ever do. Okay. I used to play Gran Turismo in cockpit view because it was way easier to be good at Gran Turismo uh, if you played from first person. I have no idea why. It was for like the first... The second and the third game, I think, yeah. I played in first person. Um... But typically, I always play with the car on the screen. I never play in first person. I'll play in first person for a while just to do it. Just for, to feel it. Yeah, yeah, just see what it's like. And, like, you know, obviously, you need to kind of try every feature if you're reviewing a game or evaluating a game. So I'll try it out. Uh, but I don't play the whole game that way, not at all. Like, with Forza, okay. yeah, with the last Forza Horizon, I played it seeing the car pretty much the whole time. I'll just see it for a split second as I cycle through, right, trying yeah. to get to my zoomed-out <laughs> version. That's all I want. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, for me, yeah, I, I think it's 1080p, six or uh, 4K 30 for me. Okay. Um, I, I do think. I mean, I don't know. You didn't go to E3, so you didn't get to see a lot of the 4K games. Yeah, I guess all the the made for 4K games are kind of coming into their own now. Yeah, and I saw all of them, and there it is a huge difference uh, seeing something in 4K versus 1080p. Uh, at least for at least I thought it was. My eye told me that it was. So, yeah, I would take the resolution bump over doubling the frame rate for most games. First-person shooters, I'd probably err on 1080p 60. Yeah. Every other genre, I don't feel like like playing Uncharted. Does it really matter that it's 60 frames per second instead of 30 frames, or The Last of Us, or like shooters? So that's the thing. To me, it does. I really, think it looks a lot better. Like the The Last of Us on PS4 looks great. Well, yeah. At 60 frames versus... But I don't think the frame rate has that much to do with it, though. Mm, to me, it does. Wow, interesting. Yeah, to me, it doesn't matter for, like, driving games. And again, if it's pegged. Like, if, it, if it's going to dip down below 30, yeah, yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. a whole different story. Okay. But if it's pegged at 30 frames per second on 4K, and it's pegged at 60 on 1080p, I'll take the 4K. Okay. Uh, last one. Let's see it. Brent, would you rather... Never play games or never watch movies or TV again for the rest of your life. So basically asking you to pick between games or television and film. Movies and TV? Yeah. Shit. For the rest of your life. So let's say you went to prison for life. And they're like, you can have a video game console or you can have a television. Cable. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm on the wrong show for this, but I would probably say movies and TV are really? what I would keep. Yeah. I really like movies, and like TV's so good now. There's a ton of it stuff. It really on. is, and yeah. Like, That's why it's even harder. I spent the last, you know, thirty years playing video games. I don't know. I have not had as many like transcendent video games experiences in say the past five years as I have like amazing seasons of TV. Like, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Like, where's the where's the season one True Detective of video games? Right. Yeah. Like, where's the thing where you're just like, holy shit. I think shit, some people might say The Last of Us was kind of in that vein. Okay. I'm just saying, I've had several of those, I feel like, in TV and movies. Like, um, every week. 
Almost, seriously, <laughs> like almost every week, I discover a new TV show that's great. Yeah, like I just started watching. Yeah, I just started watching Glow last night. Yeah, we just started that last night too, and it's great. Like, there's just so many great TV shows. Um, but for me, I'd give it up video games would be tough. But yeah, for me, it's games because I feel like games have the ability to tell great stories. See, that's one element of TV and film that you but can... But they almost never they do. They don't. You're right. I mean, they never do. They never tell stories of quality that you get in films and television. They just don't. Um, but, but, they, but they're also they not have... even hitting their potential, is my point. Like, there's always going to be a split of, you know, gameplay and story. Like, there's other things to consider, whereas in TV and stuff, it's the story. Right. Primarily, anyway. Right. Um, but games will always have that split... So it's always like playing a little bit of a handicap, but we're not even hitting up there most of the time. Like there's, I don't know. I feel like Uncharted Four did a great job. I mean, like Naughty yeah. Dog is doing a great job. Like yeah, I don't know much. how many other Who people else? are yeah. really doing that <laughs> about hitting those those top line moments. But they can. And so if I'm talking about the rest of my life, I feel like over time and it has gotten a lot better. I mean, think back to the PS2 era and how storytelling was done there and what where we're at now. Yeah. Um, so the, there's the possibility that games could eventually get to a place. And there are some games that I would argue do have stories as good as some of the best television and film already. It's just not consistent. Not even close to consistent, in all honesty. <laughs> but it can get there. And with films and television, it is what it is. Like, it's always going to be a passive experience. So, uh, I mean, look, there's walking simulators now that are pretty much just movies that you walk through. Um, and again, okay. they're not telling amazing stories. Some of them do. But... Uh, I feel like they're, by the time I die, games should be at a place where they're telling amazing stories. Well, you're probably... And you're also yeah, getting Yeah, you're probably jacking into the Matrix and doing all kinds of crazy shit then. Right. And you're also and getting... then I'll just be watching my stupid TV and movies. super sad. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not playing World of Warcraft 7 or whatever yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah. So I just think games are gonna, eventually going to get there. And in the meantime, they're still a blast to play, and they're great, and they're interactive, and they're not passive... It's a tough question. That's what the idea of these. But I think ultimately I would decide to play games. Yeah, when you're talking about the rest of your life, I don't know, man. Because you think about how one will evolve. Because if you said like the next 10 years, easily TV movies right. for me. But like. It's yeah, hard to imagine I'm, what games will be doing in 20 years. Or, like when I'm 80 in a retirement home and like. I want to play virtual reality games because why not? Yeah. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Escape. <laughs> All right, so that's it. Actually, I want to take a quick look in the chat here and see what people are saying. Um, yeah, Netflix counts as TV. Yes, Net Netflix definitely counts as television. I don't know what else it would count as. It's not a video game. <laughs> it's definitely not a video game. Well, it was uh, kind of cheap because you, if you had not lumped in movies and TV together, yeah, then it might have been hard. I don't know. It's still kind of hard. I don't know, man. I think I came up with some pretty good questions for this, though. None of them were especially easy. None of them were no-brainers, I guess. <laughs> it wouldn't be any fun if they were. <laughs> it's not easy coming up with questions for Would stuff like this. Would you rather have an Xbox One or die? Yeah. yeah. The high-low at the end of the show was even harder to come up with questions that would not be like a blatant like higher or lower. So we'll see how you feel about that when we get to it. Okay. Um, I would choose movies. I'd keep movies and TV. Can we watch other people play games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you YouTube stuff? Can I watch Twitch? That's a caveat. No, you can't. It's just movies and television. Not streaming. Not game streaming. What about, what if it's like... You'd have to act like games never existed. Competitive StarCraft on ESPN. 
That's a good point. Yeah, okay, I'll allow that. Nice. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I'll get my fix, is all that competitive gaming on ESPN. Uh, it looks like most people went movies and television. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's just the amount of content is so vast. It you is, You can pretty yeah. easily play every game that comes, every good game that comes out in a year, if that's what you're doing with your time. You cannot watch all the good TV that comes out, period. Yeah. You can't. No. Even with a lot of it coming out where you can just sit and watch episode after episode, you still can't get through it all. Still, like, let's just say let's say you took Glow, that's what, ten episodes, or only half an hour, so it's only yeah. five hours of TV. That's still just, like, that's a lot one of, of, like, 20 things that Netflix put out this year. Yeah, I know. It's rough. And, you know, you have kids and wife. Yeah, and I, I watch a lot of Paw Patrol, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that, how that counts, but that's I have to close my eyes while they watch Paw Patrol. Yeah. Uh, it looks like most, the majority, there are a few people who said games, but it looks like the vast majority all said movies and television, though. So, looks like they all sided with you on uh, that For one. people saying they're cable cutters, I am also a cable cutter, but I still watch a lot of TV. It's yeah. just a lot cheaper now. Well, cutting the cable doesn't necessarily cut into your TV watching no, at all. No, it just cuts into the ads you watch. I mean, particularly if you never had Netflix before, and then you cut the cable and you get Netflix. Like, oh, then, yeah, you're, then your so TV watching is just going to <laughs> soar into the stratosphere, essentially. Because uh, you're going to be exposed to so many great shows that uh, you hadn't been exposed to. It's like, I didn't have Netflix until like a year ago. So this year has just oh, wow. been like, oh my god. Like <laughs> The last time I had Netflix was when they still sent DVDs. <laughs> and so I finally got like the streaming service like a year ago. And it's just a treasure trove of amazing television shows and documentaries and everything. So There's a ton of stuff. I would still side with games, though. Even if you included watching other people play games on the interwebs. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about uh, the SNES Classic. Um, this is one of the few topics where we got burned doing this show later in the week. Usually we get hooked up, and there is a topic later on we're going to discuss that we did get hooked up because we didn't do the show till today. Uh, but this is one topic we are behind everybody on. Everyone else has kind of already discussed it, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on it. I'm sure everyone on Sifted has watched at least two podcasts or videocasts where they discussed the SNES Mini. Uh, but what are your initial thoughts on it? Looks uh, looks great. I like all the games that are on it. I don't know that I care about Star Fox 2, like everyone's shitting their pants over. It, the, the only reason people um, are freaking out over Star Fox 2 is because it was Forbidden Fruit all this time. It's this game that I everybody knew that was finished. That... I didn't know it was a thing. Oh, really? So, they're like, here's Star Fox 2. I'm like, didn't okay. we have something? <laughs> Weren't you on like a I think planet the, with dinosaurs? I think <laughs> the raw... No. <laughs> You're talking about Star Fox Adventures for the GameCube. <laughs> No, this is well. You're, yeah, you're, Star Fox Two is just like a flight flight game, and it, the game was finished, but it came out or it was finished at the end of the Super Nintendo era. In Nintendo, to trying to not dis, dissuade people from buying the N sixty four, decided not to release it because Nintendo had Star Fox sixty four coming yeah. out shortly after the launch of the N sixty four, so it didn't want to dilute the market. So basically, it's this game that was completely finished that no one ever got to play. And so it's become like this forbidden fruit thing that everyone's like, oh my god, we need it. And then once they play it, they're going to be like, why did I care so much about this? <laughs> oh, right. This yeah. is like a... <laughs> Maybe there's a reason Nintendo didn't put it out. I mean, at all. Because Nintendo could have even waited after Star Fox 64 came out and still put the game out on the Super Nintendo. So we'll uh, see. I think ROMs are floating out there. I think people are already able to play it anyway. Yeah, you're going to be able to do it. Um... And yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I would not get an SNES Classic is because I can set up, like, a little mini PC and play all the games. Yeah. 
And like, it's not about the money about it. It's about like, I'm certainly not going to sit like five, five feet, feet from, away from the TV. And well, actually, they they tacked a ex- couple feet on there. I, I know mean. it used to be three. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, so, the, so those of you who don't know, the cables, the controller cables are now five feet long instead of three feet long. Thanks, Nintendo. Why is it not like 15? Who cares? It must have caught. I mean, think about that. that How extra, much could that cabling really cost you? When you buy it in bulk. I mean, a 10 feet of that cable probably costs like eight cents. Maybe. Why are they not like Bluetooth? I don't know. I really don't know. I have no idea. Oh, man. Or at least not, have the option to say, like, okay, here's the thing, but you can buy our special Bluetooth controllers. Yeah. It's like, well, and here's the thing. They probably did it to keep costs mm. down, but it's not that cheap. It's no, 80, still 80, it's 80 bucks. Like, there, and the reason it's $80 is not because of the hardware and the tech that's in that little thing. It's the no. games. They don't want to cheapen the value of that library of games. So they figure if we sell it for what we really should sell it for, which is probably, like, 30 or $40, then our virtual console stuff, the market just falls out for all that stuff. And you know how Nintendo wants their fans to keep buying stuff with every single console over and over again. So, and I've totally, I've totally done that for the most part. Yeah. And like, I would probably do it again. I think I would rather play the stuff on the Switch. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, I, realistically, I think all those games are really good, but I'm not going to play all of them. Right. I'd probably play maybe four or five I mean, a couple of those games will take you, like, 100 hours to finish. Yeah, so, I mean, like, playing those four or five games, is, that's going to cost, what, like, 20, 30 bucks on virtual consoles? So, yeah. I just saved 50 bucks not having to deal with any of that. I think the novelty of it's another part of it, how cute it is, and... Yeah. And I wish we were getting the Japanese version of it instead the of... The Super U.S. Famicom. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Super NES in America is not one of the more attractive consoles to uh, ever be released. I don't know. I, I was really attached to mine. It was the first that was. Well, my I was attached console. to it. It was amazing. Like it, was, it had some of the <laughs> best games like ever. Still does. It has. Yeah. I mean, the li- I mean, that's one thing I would say about this is that the library, the twenty-one games that Nintendo chose for this, it's they're great. Yeah. Like there is not one piece of crap on that entire collection, and I could probably add another twenty to that collection, and people wouldn't be able to say there's a bad game on it. I mean, the Super Nintendo's library is just absolutely incredible. That's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Any uh, glaring omissions for you? Anything that you're like, oh, man, like this should have made the cut of 21? Not for me. I remember seeing someone on Twitter say, oh, why in this game there? And I thought, yeah, that would have been a good addition, but I can't, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I mean, I get, there's probably a handful of stuff that just didn't make it for whatever reason, but this is a pretty solid offering. Man. For sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think if there's one glaring omission, really, and if you want to talk about kind of that era of gaming, not having Street Fighter 2 on it, I think, is, is a pretty big omission. Yeah, Capcom must have. Yeah, I don't even think it's... Well, I think it's a combination of Capcom and Nintendo saying, oh my god, we just put out Street Fighter 2 on the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's really what it is. And yeah, they're like, maybe. It's gonna, if we put it on the SNES Mini, it's going to cannibalize the sales of the Switch game, but dude, that Switch game is dead on arrival anyway. It didn't sell, so... Yeah, I think that's a little short-sighted. I would like to have seen maybe a Punch-Out on there. Um, that's one game that I was kind of missing. Yeah, Super Punch-Out's great. Yeah, I'm a big Punch-Out fan in general. It was like my favorite arcade game probably of all time. I guarantee Punch-Out is the game I spent more money on in the arcade than the other <laughs> game, trying to get good at it. Um, I had like a mentor in our local arcade. Who I would go, I would wait at the arcade for him to show up. And he'd go play, and he could play and finish the whole game on a quarter. Like, he was just, he could beat the whole game. So I'd just sit there and just watch him play and try to <laughs> memorize the patterns. I didn't have money, and I'm like, man, like... And so, for me, 
it's like once I got so good at that game, it's like I'm not playing anything else because I can put a quarter in, and I got to where I could play. Yeah, I play for an hour, yeah. Yeah, for on one quarter, and I was like, so I just got better and better at it. I never could beat it on one quarter, though. I never got that good. Um, then I moved on to Super Punch-Out, which had, like, uh, the, the joystick they had to pull out to duck. Mm-hmm. And I remember I played that game for, like, 20 times, and I could not figure out that you pulled, like, literally <laughs> pulled... Did it say it on the thing? It had so it had like a little schematic that showed the stick, and it just had an arrow pointing down. And I was like, so every time I thought I was supposed to duck, I thought I just had to hold the stick down, and it wasn't. You actually pulled it out, and it clicked. <laughs> and so I played it for like days before I, that guy walked in, and he walked in, and like he fought Canadian. I was dying to like Canadian bear hugger the first fighter every time, because if you don't duck in that game, it's insta kill. So right. he'd come into his bear hug, and you just die. And I got tired of it. I was like, oh crap! And I saw him come in. And he fights Canadian Bear Hugger, and he pulls out the stick. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, what, bro? And I'm like, he's like a 19-year-old kid. I was like eight or whatever. He's like my hero. <laughs> I imagine this, like, 60-year-old man coming in. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have liked to have seen a punch-out on there. Uh, I think that may be one of the omissions. And I think a lot of people would argue that, you know, maybe a little more Final Fantasy on there would have been a good thing. Those games were amazing. Well, they had three. They had, like, the... Are there three? No, I meant Final Fantasy three was on there. Or six, whatever you six, call it. Six, yeah. Um, which is kind of the, like the quintessential essay. It is, which is a great game. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to argue. One thing I would say about the NES collection was there weren't a lot of games on there that you could play for a long time. With the, with the SNES Mini, you know, games had evolved at that point to where you can yeah, play these games. massive epic RPGs. And even just having a couple of them on there makes it kind of worth the money you're going to spend versus how much playtime. Uh, yeah, they left off Chrono Trigger, I think. Yeah. I think that was the one I was reading about. I was like, yeah. that should probably be on there. Yeah, it probably should have been. That's a <clears> seminal <throat> game. but And that might have been a licensing issue, or maybe... Yeah, maybe. I mean, you don't know. They maybe. didn't want to detract from Chrono Cross 2. Right, or Square Enix could out. be putting it out <laughs> on, like, mobile or something in the next year. Yeah, like, I know who that. knows? There's all kinds of weird things that go on there. I'm not sure I'd know if they already had. Castle, A little more Castlevania I wouldn't have complained about. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with the selection. I think uh, whoever curated that stuff did a pretty good job of... Really yeah, if they were like, pick 21 games. They probably said pick 20 games, and they fought to get that one extra one in. It's like, all right, I don't have any like major problems with the list or anything. That's yeah. for sure. Are you going to buy one? No. No? I don't. There's no way I could be five feet away from a TV to do that. Yeah. That I wouldn't also be five feet away from a computer to just play it there, so... And your kids aren't old enough yet to really appreciate it. If your kids no. were, like, seven years old, would you buy it? I'm sure they would tell me to, and yeah. I would. But it wouldn't, like, be my choice, you know? They would just be like, oh, my God, for Christmas! So when your kids get become of age to play, yeah. you're not going to show them the classics first? You're just going to... Jump them straight into, like, current gen? I don't know. It's funny. Before I had kids, I remember I did a podcast where we were talking about that. And we're like, you know, we should have them play NES games first and the Super Nintendo's. And, yeah. like, no, man. They're going to play whatever they want to play. They're going to play yeah. whatever their friends are playing. They're going to play Minecraft is what they're going to play. <laughs> I mean, in, like, a couple of years, maybe not. But, yeah. Oh, they will still. Minecraft's going to be around, be around. For a long I'm just time. not sure it'll be, like, the thing. Kids just love it. I mean, kids freaking love Some other Minecraft. Out of like, left field game will come out. Maybe. But I guarantee, I guarantee you with kids, that game will still be popular. It's always going to be popular for kids to be able to build stuff. Yeah. That's why they love Legos and Erector sets and Lincoln Logs. Oh, we're going to have the whole family playing Minecraft. Yeah? Does the wife play Minecraft? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, like, we don't play, like, constantly, but <laughs> right, like, we right. have played before. And once the kids are that old, like, of course, we're going to make, like, our family home and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll be a, that'll be a ton It'll of be fun. be a good bonding experience. Or maybe yeah. that's, like, your gateway mm -hmm. game to get your kids into the more... 
And especially now all that stuff's uh, it's getting unified. So like one of us can play on a computer, one can play on the phone, and, you know, whatever device floats your boat. Someone in the chat says, it's not yeah. Legos. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the same aesthetic as snapping parts together to create something. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I'll buy, I, I will buy the SNES Mini if I can because it's already sold out in Europe, by the way. Did you get an NES Mini? I did not. I tried. But, but you, I, you would have gotten an I NES would have bought Mini? it, yeah. Okay. Um, I just didn't think it was going to... One, I didn't think it was going to be as, become as big as it did. Two, I didn't think Nintendo would like make none of them. So those two things mixed together, like when I finally started trying to get one, like a couple weeks after it came out, that the prices were already like $200. And I was just like, well, I don't want it that bad. Yeah. Like, I will, here, I'll put it to you this way. I would not buy either one of them for more than retail. I'm not going to pay scalping prices for them. Um, but I, you know, I have my alert set up so that when it goes on sale in the U.S., I can hopefully jump in and try to get one before they sell out. But they're sold out in Europe already gone for now yeah I, I think they're gone for good i think nintendo has already told retailers how much and they are allotting more they're make it's making more but i think it's already told retailers this is how many we got and that they're selling pre-orders against that number so that's a special kind of dumb man i know make they, it's printing money i don't get it why they do limited runs of these things i mean look if i would understand if wherever they're manufacturing these micro consoles is taking away from switch production that i would understand okay but it's not like there's only not, one factory it's not, in all though. of china like just <laughs> keep making them it's not it's not taking away manufacturing from switch it's just not there's a whole other plant that's making these little things and it's not like they're stopping making switches and then switching their whole assembly line over to make these micro consoles yeah that's just not how it works so I mean, I think the entire concept of the micro consoles is a little bit weird when the Switch was coming out. Yeah. I don't understand why they didn't just blow out Virtual Console. Right. Just do, like, crazy deals of, like, if you buy a Switch, you'll get these 20 games on the SNES like for bundles. free. Like, yeah. holy crap. I'd well, the Virtual Console hasn't even launched for Switch yet, so well, that's, that's, one, that's, that's a, one problem. That's a totally different thing. It is, why yeah. you can't launch a system you already had three times is yeah. beyond me, but... Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, but, yeah, if I can find one for 80 bucks. And get one from retail, I'll buy it. And if I miss it, I probably won't ever buy one. Because yeah. I, I don't have the time to, like, go jumping around from retailer to retailer and follow news stories. They're like, they're going on sale at 8 a.m. And then <laughs> you go there at 8 a.m. and, like, there's 500 people in line or, like, a website yeah. gets it. And you click it as soon as it goes and it's already sold out. Like, I, I don't have the time or, in all honesty, the motivation to do stuff like that anymore for a retro kit of hardware. PlayStation 5 or the next Xbox or whatever, if I had to wait in line for that, sure. But for something like, and again, you start talking about emulation and, you know, it's like if you have MAME installed on your PC, it's like you have all these games anyway. I mean, and you could even, if you if you don't like the legality of ROMs and stuff, you can still just go, like, buy the games and then pretend like you were playing it there. Like, if you want to make sure people get that money. But at this point, no one's really getting that money. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have... Almost every game I have a ROM of. In fact, I think yeah. I have pretty much all of them. My collection from NES and Super NES is extensive. I don't have it here. It's back on uh, the East Coast. But I have most of those games. So I feel zero guilt using ROMs and yeah. like I just, I don't. So I, mean, I spent I so much money in the gaming yeah. industry. It's like, come on, man. Like, I mean, I definitely owned all those games at one point. I don't know. My point is that, like, 
Oh, I have access to ROMs and like a Bluetooth controller and stuff, and I don't play you them. You don't play them, yeah. So, I mean, like, again, this might be a fun weekend. I mean, it's a much cheaper weekend than PlayStation VR, but I still think it's not something I'm going to do continually. And I think that's what happens with these two, and I think that happened with the NES Mini for a lot of people, is they got it, they played it for a couple days, and now it's just like this cool little thing that sits on their desk or on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. And well, if my kids were a couple years, of that, I guess. Yeah, if my kids were a couple years older and I wasn't already a gamer owning consoles, then this would be a no brainer. Yeah. And like, here you go, kids. See you in a couple weeks. Yeah. But um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense at the moment. It's pretty sexy though. It's pretty smart of Nintendo. To, and look, Nintendo isn't the first to do this. There have been. Genesis mini micro console sold at Radio Shack for like 15 years or whatever. <laughs> and the funny part is, you know... I like the ones that are just like the controller. Just the, yeah, just yeah. the joystick. <laughs> There's tons of those. Those are like the Atari ones, I think, yeah. are like that. Um, and then it's funny because Sega does this. It doesn't do hardly anything. Nintendo does it. It goes completely gangbusters. And now Sega is working on a micro Genesis again. That will actually look like the Genesis and be small and... yeah. People, pe I think people you're right it. about, like, people want it on the shelf. They want to see that little tiny Nintendo. And I think the form factor makes a big freaking difference, man. Like, yeah. Sega's, like, micro consoles were these weird shaped things. They weren't actually shaped like the Genesis, like, exactly like a replica yeah. shrunken down. And I bet you all those ones that they put out they put out before that did nothing, if they do it just like Nintendo did it, the Genesis one will sell out probably, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then they can make a little mini, like, 32X to snap onto it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see, um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the names, but like in Japan, in the little tiny NES Famicom, like the actual controller was super tiny too? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> like, not that. I don't know that the Super Nintendo one is, but it, it looks ridiculous. Wow. No, I didn't see that. So I'm hoping they do that for the Super Nintendo. Too. Yeah. Do you remember that little GBA Micro that Nintendo put out? Yeah. I mean, I it micro. was like the size of like a harmonica. <laughs> like, if that, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. small. I wonder how much those are worth now, actually. I never did get one, but... I don't know, mine's pretty beat up. I mean, it didn't sell very well. So I'm just wondering if there's limited quantities of those out there. So maybe on eBay, the well, prices the, have skyrocketed. The GBA clamshell is awesome. I yeah. loved that device. Yeah. And so like when the Micro came out... The Game Boy Advance SP. I had one, but like it didn't really feel any need that the, That's that why the SP didn't. One. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, good luck. Keep an eye on Sifted, folks, because we'll be curating stories about the NES Mini when they go on sale, even though I don't have the time to uh, sit and hit F5 over and over <laughs> again. Maybe you do, um, but we'll, we'll keep on it for you guys. So uh, when they do go on sale, and I'm guessing it probably this coming next week is probably when they'll go on sale in the U.S., so we'll, we'll keep our finger on the pulse for you guys so you don't miss it if you're interested in buying it. Uh, Let's move on. So here is an advantage of doing our show today. Um, Kotaku broke a story this morning that Mass Effect Andromeda will now not have any single-player campaign DLC. What, did they phrase it like that, like it was going to have it and now it won't? Yes, due to sales and response from... This is Kotaku's sources, so take that with a grain of salt. Okay. Kotaku... I can't remember a time that the Kotaku reported a story like this. It ended up being false. If that, that'd be a pretty big. If yeah. that helps qualify it at all, it's general. I mean, it broke Assassin's Creed Origins was in Egypt like three years ago. So, <laughs> its track record's pretty good with this kind of stuff. Um, basically, it said like the internet backlash uh, was a huge part of it, and the other part of it too is that because of the internet backlash and the low review scores, 
that they ended up cutting most of the team and then putting that team on other projects around EA and Bioware. So it no longer really even has the team to create the single-player DLC. Yeah. One thing I will say is at least it's a good thing that it wasn't one of those cases where they had already completed the DLC and then charge you extra for it instead of putting it on the base game. They were probably at least knee-deep in it making it you but it, like they must have just decided like look this dlc is not going to move the needle we're just going to get raked over the coals again i disagree with that though i think this dlc absolutely would would sell well um the game i don't know if you've played it have you played it at all actually yeah oh, okay i played about uh, six or eight hours when it came out or yeah when it came out okay. i have not played since like patches and stuff so yeah I don't, so the I don't game is changed. in a great place now yeah and like people who are picking it up now are like befuddled by the review scores and everything but look you can't fault critics for reviewing what was sent to them you can't say hey you know this is going to get better or this is going to get dlc because yeah. here's a case where it never did get dlc and it's not going to get dlc but i do think it's unfortunate that we're going to be deprived of campaign DLC for this game just because what I felt was I feel like the memes and everything just really ruined this game because some people got the game early and started posting memes of like the character faces and the facial animation and spreading them across the internet before the game ever even came out and I feel like I'm not going to say a poison the well for critics I have more faith in folks who are reviewing games that they would allow a bunch of memes to affect how they review the game I think the game earned its Low review scores. Yeah. I mean, at least in terms of story and stuff, like, I feel like all of this was a step back from the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, I really liked the game. I I enjoyed it. And I would agree that it started really slow. And I think if you only played the first six or eight hours, you would probably think the story was complete garbage. And I'll also say it never does get to the very best of any of the first three games as far as story is concerned. But I still really thought the game was great. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, When it ended, I didn't want it to end. Um, and it was like a 40-hour game, too. It wasn't like something you just play for 15 hours and put down. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I take umbrage with any game that requires me to play it for 10 hours no, you're before right. it gets good. You're absolutely right. And I would, I mean, would you say it wasn't good at all? Or was it I, just a story that you didn't enjoy? I, hated, I really thought the combat was just great out of the gate. Combat's a lot of fun. I hated every single character. Oh, okay. I wanted them That makes a big deal. That's a big deal with an RPG. Especially uh, with Riley, whoever you are. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> In the first, in the first Mass Effect, like Shepard was already like a squad leader, was an accomplished soldier when you're chosen to be um, the Pathfinder. Yeah, no, it wasn't Pathfinder then. Whatever you're chosen, it doesn't for. matter. You know what I'm. <laughs> but like, you're just—it was almost like nepotism. Like your dad was special; he was cool, and you're just some kid that came along for the ride, and all of a sudden you're like the special chosen one. And yeah. like, I don't know, all of that felt like really. Um, cliched and then like you know what we're gonna do it together the sister the sister who's in cryostasis or whatever well it was my brother in cryostasis that was the girl but like (laughs) um yeah and then i didn't like really anyone i met in my squad like and then whenever they'd have a conversation like all of them talking together i'm like oh man i hope you guys crash (laughs) like this is awful (laughs) i mean like i get i the overall story must be pretty interesting because you're not the first person that said it gets better as you go. Yeah. But, um, well, I was like poking around long, like, I don't know, a week or two after it came out and after reviews had long been out. And a lot of websites started doing community based features where they asked their community what they thought of the game. And if you went into those stories, it was like 85%. I don't know what everyone was thinking with the low review scores. Like, generally, like a lot of the fans 
once they actually got to play it themselves, thought it deserved better than what it got. That's anecdotal. I looked at five or six stories on different websites, and but the percentage was always pretty much the same of people saying, yeah, these review scores are way too low based upon what I'm playing. Uh, granted, they had already got to, they were playing it after some of the facial stuff had been fixed and patched. Um, and I mean, a lot of, and you, you hate the story and the characters. I'm not saying you're the only one, but the big gripe for a lot of people were the technical issues with the game, and all those have been ironed out. That's funny. I didn't really get any technical issues. I, I, I didn't mean, like, really either. Other than, I mean, the facial animation kind of bad, was but, bad. I mean, um, but like, I don't know. I, I hated running around in the little in the buggy, and then like, it's like go over here, and then it was like it was actually like a mile below that, so I had to go down the mountain, and I'm like climbing the yeah. mountain, and we're just like. Did you get this to the point where you do the other do. stuff with the buggy, with like the mining and all that kind of stuff? I did a little bit of mining. Okay. Um, I don't know. I play. Eve Online, I don't mind mine. <laughs> you I just definitely, saying, you definitely like, do not. I don't know. I just felt like that whole system seemed like a lot of work, yeah. and it wasn't adding well, anything. Well, I mean, the vehicles, that's not a new complaint with Mass Effect. No, but you could pretty effectively skip a lot of the vehicle stuff and the others. Yeah, you don't have to do it that much in Andromeda either. At first, they force you to, so you learn it. But then okay. as the game so goes on... So there's less of it as you go? Yeah, it's not a big part of the game at all. Um, it's all still, right. I didn't enjoy it. I agree with you. That was not one of the parts of the game that I thought was necessary or that I enjoyed. It's like once you learn to fast travel and you get that ability and you open up a lot of the nodes on a planet, I never used the thing anymore. It was just So it was, I guess it's just run around, grab the nodes, and then never do that's that That's what again. you do. You okay. get on a new planet, you get in the vehicle, you drive it around, unlock all the nodes, and then you don't even really need it anymore. And the, right. the payoff for the mining was never significant enough either for me to go and do it. So, um, But yeah, so anyway, going back to what I was saying, it seems like the vast, the vast majority of people who ultimately played it and didn't play it before it was patched think it's a good game and have enjoyed it. Um, and I feel like for all those people, it really sucks that kind of this early uh, poisoning of the well for this game ultimately ended up keeping them from being able to play DLC. This is the first Mass Effect without story DLC. There's never well, been what one. What I mean, I don't know this early poisoning of the well so much as like the game launched with a ton of issues. Yeah, like, no, you're right. It's not, it, it was not I just I think it was memes. overblown. I guess my opinion is it was overblown. Is that people were making it out to be something way worse. And I don't, maybe it wasn't people, it's the memes. It's like... When you have these loops of a character's head like spinning around in a circle or and, like all your social media feeds before the games even come out, like to me that's poisoning the well. Because if you play any game long enough, you're going to find goofy little glitches Not like, like that. that, man. Not I that know. many. I mean, I didn't even have any of those myself. I never even saw any of those. So when I started seeing those going around, I'm like, I'm almost done with this game. I haven't seen anything like this. And that's video games. You know, depending on how you leveled up or whatever, it could bump code that would ultimately cause weird... Who knows? Or how you design your character could have an effect on it. There could be a million reasons why. But I just felt like it was completely overblown before the game ever came out. And, and it, I think it made a lot of people either have a negative t attitude towards the game before they ever played it, or just flat out made them not want to play it at all. And maybe they did anyway, begrudgingly, because they're quote-unquote a Mass Effect fan. Well, but it, it was one of those, to me... When I'm looking at it, it was one of those things where, you know, I see all these technical issues and I'm like, they're going to iron that out in, like, the yeah. first month with the patch. I'm not super worried about that. But it set me on the wrong foot, and then the reviews come out and they say the story's not that great. Um, it's not... It is Mass Effect, but it is not as good as the Mass Effect you remember. Yeah. I think it's those better than the first Mass Effect. Well, the first Mass Effect's super rough, but it's yeah. it was amazing for the time. Yeah. Um, but if you're comparing to Mass Effect 2 and 3, then it's, yeah. it doesn't hold up. No, so. you're absolutely right. But those were games that aggregated at, like, 9.7. Keep in mind, Mass Effect 2 and 3, like, their aggregate scores ended up being, like, 
some of the best games ever made. But and I also the, wonder, too, if some of the... But that's it's like your an, pedigree. It is. I get that. But I think, like, people were holding this game up against those games. And I feel like there was, like, an overcorrection on the opinion on this game because it wasn't as good as 2 and 3. Um, I don't know. This this game was almost completely disappointment for me. Wow. I wanted, I wanted to go to Andromeda and see, like, new aliens and new stuff. And, like, it's just shittier versions of the old stuff. Like, there's, yeah. like, I think two new races, I guess, that yeah. were indigenous. But, like... For the most part, it's the same old aliens, except that you're all just kind of here for no great reason. Well, they explain why you're there. You have to go there to find a new place for humanity to live. I I know. I just don't. And don't you think care. most sequels should at least have some of the characters from the prior games, or at least no? Some of the, I wanted really? something completely new. <laughs> wow. Okay. I almost I wanted you to like screw up. Don't you think most people would have complained? End up in Andromeda, and it just be completely alien. But don't you think most people would have complained if that were the case, if there was nothing familiar about it at all? Because I think a lot of people complained about this because it wasn't familiar enough, even with all the stuff that did carry over. I, I, I can't imagine that complaint. Because I think that was everything that was wrong with it. Wow. I mean, it, like, if you wanted that game, go play Mass Effect 4 or whatever that takes place in the Milky Way. That's... But how did you feel about going from Mass Effect 1 to 2 and then 2 to 3, though? Great. You're okay with like the all the same characters being in those games, but this now is a, this, this one, is a you know, brand new trilogy. But see, like that was one story. I don't look at story. stuff like that. Like, I, how could you not? I mean, it's, imagine it's a, whole, if, like, it's a completely did, different galaxy. But imagine if like you didn't read all the previews for this game and didn't watch any trailers, and someone just sat you down in a room and said, "Here's a new Mass Effect." And That's exactly what playing. happened to me. I didn't watch any of the trailers and stuff, and just but like you did. I expected you knew that it was a new. Different. You knew it was a new universe, though, so you had to know something about it beforehand. It's called Mass Effect Andromeda. But that doesn't mean anything. Andromeda it means it takes place be... in Andromeda. How does it say that? It's That's just Andromeda. It's Andromeda could be a character in the game. It could be an objective that you have to complete. It could be no, the Andromeda pretty, objective. I had no clear. idea. Oh, come on. I mean, you didn't catch that the immediate time the name was Well, announced. I knew it because I've watched 50 trailers for it and watched 20 interviews for it. I, I don't think just, we're getting I'm saying it. you could have a very surface opinion, a very surface uh contact with this game and still yeah. know that it's another galaxy and then and this was my experience i just yeah. i specifically didn't watch the trailers and stuff because i didn't want any of this ruined and then i get to the game and it's just diet version of the milky way to me I none of the exciting things about uh the milky way were there it was just like same old aliens same old shit except i don't know any of the names of anything yeah i think part of it for me is the way i evaluate games is i try as much as possible and it is impossible but I try as much as possible to not have any kind of expectations when I play a game. I try to look at the game as if I didn't know anything about it, if that I didn't expect anything from it. I just play the game for what the game is. And I, I realize I'm different than a lot of people in that regard. So I think that's maybe where our difference of perspective on the game comes from. I mean, it's still a Mass Effect game. Yeah. There are certain expectations that are going to come with that, and it didn't... I mean, the story stuff is really what... It's why I didn't finish it. Yeah. Like, well, you didn't even get close if you only made it eight hours no. in. I mean, you barely played a tenth of the game. Well, not a tenth. You played about 20% of it, I guess. But still, like, at that point in the other Mass Effects, I was in hook. You were hook, hook line hooked, yeah. Like, I was staying up all night playing those games. Yeah. And this is just like, I, I paid full money for this. I guess I should do it. But what wow. am I doing with my life? I'm really I'm shocked to hear that. that. Like, I just I didn't want to do it. Uh, and so, well, for the people who did enjoy this game, and there are a lot of people who did enjoy it, uh, to me, this is a bummer. That there's not going to be, and it's, I did enjoy the game, so for me personally, it's a bummer that there's not going to be any story DLC for this. Some of the story DLC for past Mass Effects was amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, it was some I of mean, the best some of the Mass best, Effect there was. Also, yeah. some of the best DLC ever. Yeah. Like, period, across the board. Like, so for me, this is a huge disappointment. Um, you know, the, the base game itself left the door open for a lot of other avenues. Like, I felt like it didn't really wrap up some of the stuff, and I feel like maybe I was left hanging in some ways on a lot of maybe things. Maybe that was on purpose. It, it could have been. Because they thought they were going to get DLC. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, there, there also is not going to be a sequel to this. They've already canned it. So there won't be a Mass Effect Andromeda 2. Well, you got to wonder, like, even the great DLCs of the original Mass Effects, like, how did they sell? They sold well, yeah. I mean, they were one of the reasons why DLC is so prevalent now, because it was kind of a proof of concept. Back then, DLC was kind of a... Especially single-player stuff. Yeah, yeah, was kind of a new concept still, so particularly with, like, the second game. By the third, most games had DLC. But it was kind of the proof of concept, like, oh, wow, like, we can tack on, like, five or ten hours onto a game, and we can make, like, more money than a lot of other games make, period, just off that yeah. DLC. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly kind of one of the turning points for uh, DLC in general, industry-wide. Well, so. it may be that the DLC was geared towards the sequel. Like, it was yeah, bridging that possible. gap, and now there's nowhere to bridge to, so they, possible. Absolutely. they didn't have anything to do. Yeah, but I am disappointed um, that I won't get to play more of this game. Um, I did play a ton of it, and I feel like I've pretty much wrung the base game dry as much as I possibly could. I don't see myself going back to play it again. Um, and, you know, I didn't play the other two, the other three Mass Effects again either once I finished those. So it's not different than those games in that regard. But <laughs> Well, I, I have tried more than once. Like, you know what? I'm going to play the entire Mass Effect trilogy. I had so much fun. And then you play Mass Effect 1, and you're oh, like, that's, oh. It's hard to get through that. Oh, now. man, maybe I'll start it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first game's really hard. And I could maybe see one day them remaking the first Mass Effect. Oh, I I keep thinking they're gonna do like a all three of them pack on the new well, they generation. Have, they have done that kind of not on like Gen Eight, but they did it last gen. They put the, put the trilogy on one package, and I think they put it out for a Wii U as well. All three. Uh, maybe. Or was it just two know. and three? I can't remember. Um, I played like a total of two games on my Wii U. So. Yeah, I think you're not alone on that one. Honestly, I think a lot of people would say that. So uh, I am disappointed to hear this. Um, I think this is a case where. The odd, the people made it the difference, you know. I feel like Maybe. the people are the reason there is no DLC and there's not going to be a sequel. The backlash, the negative posts on social media. Um, I mean, we've kind of been heading here for a long time of people releasing unfinished games. Yeah, and it's like take an extra couple months and get your shit right. Yeah, like clearly, like I wasn't worried because I knew that in a month they'd have a patch for this stuff, but like. They had to know, like, these are console releases. There's only one SKU, man. Like, just get it right. You also, you have, and this pertains to every part of life, you only have one chance to make a first impression. Yeah. Period. And you're done. And, and if that first impression is not a good one, you're in deep crap. And I think that's one difference you see with Rockstar. It knows this. Yeah. So Red Dead Redemption 2 isn't done. They're like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to push gonna it. it when it's done. We're going to release it when it's done. Yeah. And I think EA can maybe learn a lesson or two from uh, some of the other publishers on how they handle their business on this. This was blatantly put out just under the wire for the financial quarter for EA. Uh, it's pretty obvious what happened there. They'll never admit that that's what happened, but it's pretty obvious what, what especially when you see that they fixed a lot of the facial animation stuff in like a week. It's like, yeah, that was so quick on that. It's, it's like, like, what? Yeah. How did that miss QA? I think they were just so deep in the game at that point that the facial animation, because I don't know if you saw the reports too, where they said they basically had to start the whole game over and that they really only spent 18 months building what became Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, really? Yeah. 
and then it still forced him to put it out. So, yeah. EA's not innocent in this whole thing, that's for sure. So, yeah. R.I.P. Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, I was just saying, it's funny because, like, I feel like, you know, Battlefield 1, that's on a super tight schedule. They're never going to push that. Like, they came out pretty polished, man. Yeah, dude. The campaign was pretty much a piece of crap, though. Oh, I like I liked it a lot. Really? Yeah, I liked being different people and jumping around and doing different stuff. Man, I felt like I was working to get through that. Oh, it was I better than it was better than other Battlefield campaigns. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, <laughs> dude, that bar is like way down here. It didn't take much to make it better, but I still thought. I mean, as far as first-person shooter campaigns go, like I thought that was definitely like bottom tier. I mean, I mean, compare that to like it's a, a Call of Duty campaign or whatever. Little, it, it was short, but I liked what it. What they had. Yeah. I, I, I just should have been more of it. Yeah, it was way short. I think it was finished in like three hours or something like that. So, Which also is par for the course for Battlefield. Yeah, that's fair. Campaigns are always short. So, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Xbox One X. Um, a research firm came out this week and said that it believes that by 2021, so four years from now, Xbox One X will have sold 17 million units. That sounds optimistic to me. You think it's optimistic? Yeah. Wow. That's four years. 17 million in four years. But, like, in two years, we're going to get something else, and it's going to stop sales. Like, I don't... 2021 is a weird year to pick. You really think in two years they're going to have something else bet more powerful than Xbox One X? Absolutely. Really? I don't see that. I don't. I think I think this will stick around at least three years. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to a new generation sooner than later. This, to me, is, I think, the next generation. It's not labeled as such, and Microsoft isn't calling that calling it. Well, that, if but. the if the Xbox Two or whatever comes out in two, three, four years, however many years, and they say this is backwards compatible to the One X, as opposed to original right. Xbox One games, I mean, which I think like, is going to happen. I don't know if they have the balls to do that. You don't think? I think... I think that hamstrung that hamstrings development so much. You're tied into certain architectures and you're... But they're not, though, because these architectures, they're just PCs. That's all they are. These, It's not like the they moment, have cell processors moment, and, like, and custom-built GPUs anymore. I mean, they're just but it means using... You can't, but it means you can't change, like, if you use an NVIDIA this time and you use ATI, ATI next time, like... All of a sudden, all that stuff changes, and it's like, well, you got to rebuild all those drivers. I don't see that ever happening, though. I think NVIDIA is mm. in there, and I think you see it. I think investors see it, see it too, because NVIDIA's stock has just skyrocketed. I mean, NVIDIA is doing great, but if ATI comes up with some way cheaper chip... That ATI has always been pretty good at the cheaper cards, so it's yeah. like, if they come up with something... Nintendo left ATI to go to NVIDIA. Yeah, because the Switch looks amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, they were using NVIDIA's literally like, cheapest Invi- chip. NVIDIA, what have you got in the bottom drawer? <laughs> I don't know, the one no, below No, that's exactly that. what Give it was. Give me those chips. They're like, what do you got left over, basically? Yeah. I mean, those were all just chips that they had probably manufactured and had not installed they didn't sell in, in the shields. shields. Yeah. I just imagine them ripping open shields and throwing no, the chips No, seriously, like, I would not be shocked if that happened at all. Like, that they went through their stock and started taking, like, the GPUs out of those things, because they didn't yeah. Or the squat, um, I think 17 million. I think it's accurate. I think that's right around what it, it will sell. I think in that amount of time, and obviously that's all dependent upon software. Um, yeah. But I think the price of the Xbox One X is going to come down to a place where 
you're buying it for $300 and the Xbox One S is selling for like 100 bucks or whatever, or it's off the market. They just take it off the market altogether. And I think then the Xbox Two, or whatever the hell they end up calling it, yeah. comes in and then the price drops and the Xbox One X becomes a cheaper option. It basically just re replaces the Xbox One S. And it becomes a cheaper option to the Xbox Two. I don't think they're ever going to break it off and say, I mean, look, they're going back now to original Xbox backwards compatibility. That's pretty far, man. That's it is. What, that's, I'm saying you are... I think they're holding back the One X by making sh that you have to be able to also run those games on an Xbox One. Wait, they're, they're what? They're holding back the One X by saying those games have to also run on a classic Xbox One. You think? Because, I mean, look, developers are used to scaling with PC because most PC players, they all you, you have a beefy rig. My rig's like two years old. You're playing on a 4K or whatever. I'm playing on 1080p, like hoping to get 60 yeah. out of like the newest games or whatever. It's, it's just kind of how, how it works now. And I, I definitely do not see, regardless of whether they go to ATI or NVIDIA, I do <clears> not <throat> ever see them getting custom GPUs built ever again. Well, I don't see custom CPUs gonna, being built ever again. I mean, it's not a 2017 problem or probably even a 2018 problem. But when you start getting in three years from now, the Xbox One's going to be really damn old. And the Xbox yeah. One it X is not going to be a spring chicken. And so, like, it will be able to run stuff, but, like, the Xbox One being able to run it in, like, the end of the cycle for this? Well, like, no, no. I, I see what you're saying now. You're saying, no, there will be a cutoff where they're, like, Xbox Two... You will not be able to play Xbox Two games on Xbox One base, I don't think. No, of course not. I'm saying that I think the Xbox One X is going to be is going to be limited by the Xbox One over the next couple of years. When you're talking about 2021, I just I don't think there's 17 million people that are going to buy it between then and then. Hmm. I, unless, I think unless. If you're right, and the Xbox Two comes out in 2018 or 2020 or whatever, and then the Xbox One X is the new $99 cheap version, right. then yeah, that's going to do great. The but. other thing to keep in mind, too, is that Microsoft is getting ahead of the 4K curve. So, you know, Sony says PS4 Pro does 4K. It doesn't. That's all a bunch of garbage. It's been dispelled a million times over that it's not a native 4K console. So I'm just not sure it matters. You don't, you don't think it matters at all, 4K? I don't have a 4K TV. Yeah. The only one I have is the one sitting right behind me. I don't have one at home. I mean, <laughs> I, in like five or ten years, that's just, you'll go to Best Buy and that's all they got is 4Ks and you're like, fine, give me I mean, it's kind of that way already now. It's hard to find 1080p TVs at uh, retailers. But like, that's the thing, like, I don't think there's a great reason to buy a new TV. No, I there's agree. There's not going to be for no, There's no content for 4K right now at all. No, but, no, when, I mean, like, I guess, I think some things on Netflix you can do 4K, but for the vast majority of stuff, like, your 4K is just for games, yeah. I guess. No, you're and right. And maybe your odd... Netflix streams some stuff in 4K, but you better hope you have a really fat pipe coming into your house. Or... Yeah, you can't pre-download it or anything, no. so... Yeah. Um, but my, what I was getting at is that by the time PlayStation 5 comes out, which will undoubtedly be a 4K console... Think about the amount of 4K content that will be in the Xbox ecosystem. So we always talk about all the time, like, um, games sell hardware. It's not the other way around. It's not hardware sells the games. Okay. If you don't have the software, no one's going to buy the hardware. So if you start looking at Sony when it launches PlayStation 5, and it's like, hey, here's our launch lineup of 15 4K games or whatever. At that point, Xbox One X is going to have dozens and dozens and dozens of 4K games. And I'm guessing Xbox Two will also play all those 4K games that were made for Xbox One X, it's going to have a huge 
library advantage, in my I don't opinion. Know. You, you just said it's easy to scale. And you're you're right. It's even easier to scale up. <laughs> I, I don't know but that games big, that are like PlayStation like there's a big like Horizon Zero up Dawn in native 4K games. Like I mean, something like Horizon Zero Dawn when it comes when the PlayStation Five comes out, that's gonna look great. Uh, I don't know, man. Those textures are still 1080p textures. And I mean, if you look at Forza Horizon you can, Seven, you can re-render those textures. It all depends on what that all came from. Like well, if they you have know to, that's what they're going for. You'd have to go and redo all the textures. Like you'd have to go back and recreate those textures. You just 4K. have to like re-export them from the sources. It depends on what the size of the source is. If you but that's what I'm saying is that like these these AAA blessed Sony games all know where they're going. They're not stupid. I'm saying you're not that hamstrung by that if they are saying, "Hey, guys, PlayStation Five is going to be 4K. Keep this stuff around." Like I don't think that's I think that that's wishful thinking though. When you're talking about Xbox One X, they are being built in 4K. Like the the textures for Forza Motorsport Seven is 100 gigabytes alone. Think about that. Gross. It's insane. But that's what the assets. That's the 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 size cost of 4K assets. All games are going to start being like huge. Like as far as like gigabytes are concerned. And again, Microsoft is way ahead of the curve on this. It's already making these 4K assets for its games. Um, I, I don't just, think I don't think pulling out one racing game is a good example of how all these Xbox One X games are going to be. Well, just, I don't know well, that they're all going to be 4K pure assets. Well, they just well, first of all, they just announced it like two weeks ago. But second of all, I went. They're all going to be like 4K textures. For what are you talking about, though? For like, all new Xbox One X games? Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I'm not saying it's not going to be native 4K. I'm saying they're going to do like yeah, 4K assets for sure. Um, I sat in a theater presentation for Xbox One X that was like 40 minutes long, and they talked uh-huh. about all this shit. They showed Gears of War 4, where they had gone back and redid all the textures in 4K, and it was like a different game, in all honesty. It looked like a completely different game. It's still not a great game, but it looked like a completely different game. Yeah. Um, so Microsoft, you know, in that presentation said, yes, like any game going forward that we create that's first party, that's exclusive to our platform, is 4K. They would not answer... When we ask, is are you going to require that of third parties? So that is one caveat that I don't know what the answer to that is yet. But I mean, arguably, Sony's first party and exclusive stuff would do all that too. There's no way they're not going to. That's a lot of work for something that you know is Horizon Zero Dawn going to be relevant? But it's not like that work didn't happen on the Xbox side. They had to do the work at some point. It well, either they, happened now before release. But they're creating textures for 1080p games instead of 4K games. And if they were creating these textures for, for 4K, which is a tremendous amount of foresight, it also seems like wasted work to me because... But it's not that much foresight if you're a Sony first party or an exclusive and they tell you, do this. But they haven't done it, though. I mean, they put out the PS4 Pro and they're not 4K textures. You can tell by the file size, obviously. They can't run 4K textures. Right. That's the problem. Right. But that doesn't mean they don't have them. Or can't Again, going easily. back to what I said before, that's wishful thinking. Whereas with Xbox One X, you know that's happening. It's not, I think that might happen. And also, to your other point about saying, well, if for, do you, are you going to care about Horizon Zero Dawn when the PlayStation 5 comes out? In no, but I'm not going to care about any out. Xbox One X game coming out right now either. I'm just saying that's an equivalent But they're making of... them all along is what I'm saying. And there will be Xbox One X 4K games that just came out a month ago or two months ago or three months ago or even a year ago. I think that game's still relevant. So, I don't know. I think Microsoft has positioned itself well to be successful with Xbox One X, but a, if, lo- if a lot of execution has to, has to happen before. But again, that's talking about if 4K matters in three years. It is definitely going to matter. Oh, without a doubt. 
No, I'm, no not saying, I'm not saying it's not going to be every other word out of these guys' mouths. I'm just not sure that everyone's going to have a 4K TV. You can't buy 1080p TVs anymore, Brent. You really can't. I know, but I'm not going to get a new TV in the next couple of years unless really? some kid throws something through it. Really? Why would I? I, I am. And I have a 1080p 65-inch Panasonic Plasma, which is pretty much about as good of a 1080p TV as you can get for gaming and movies or whatever else. And I'm getting a 4K TV. I'll get an OLED or something like that, something that... Hopefully it looks better than Plasma, although I'm not convinced anything ever will. But, uh, but that's what I'm saying. For the vast majority of people, the only benefit you're going to get from this, from an upgrade to 4K, is for games. And it's just, if you're really, I don't know, man. I think I films think so. and television, in three years' time, almost all of them will be in 4K. For sure. I mean, Netflix already streams some stuff in 4K. Our internet infrastructure is not set up to send 4K. No, I around. mean, you're right. That's the big caveat and the big problem. And, like, IS- is, ISPs are not going to upgrade in the next uh, political cycle. If yeah. anything, they're going to clamp you down. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, net neutrality is more or less dead. Like, the, yeah. we're not going to get bigger pipes. I don't know where we're getting this 4K content. But I think the like, people who, who went after net neutrality were saying that's why they went after it. So that these... ISPs would be incentivized to <clears throat> increase bandwidth for U.S. subscribers, but I think that's most not pe- a thing. it's not true. Yeah, I know, but that's what they said. So, uh, uh, if there's no competition in the space, there will not be any advancements. Yeah. Well, we also never got to my point. Sorry, that I was trying to get to <laughs> overall is that 17 million is nothing. Like, you don't think so? That's terrible. I mean, you can't build a business off. Look at that's. Think about it. That is pretty much the same sales as a Wii U. Yeah. I mean, Wii U was on the market for three years and sold 12 million. This is four years, 17 million. But the way they're couching all this stuff is that it's like, it's like the Nintendo uh, 3DS XL or whatever. It's just the new version of the same console. They're not. They're not couching this as the next generation or anything no, like I know. that. Yeah, like, I, if that I, right own, the top. I mean, yeah. I do own an Xbox One, but like, I don't have a lot of incentive to get a new one. I mean, like, yeah. the Xbox One S apparently upgrades to 4K. Like, I bet the difference between the true natural 4K and the Xbox One S upgraded 4K, you cannot tell if you're Well, One S is only 4K for Blu-rays. Watching movies. I thought it upscaled stuff. No, it won't play games in 4K. I thought it. I thought it did more or less PS4 Pro shit, where it was no, just like uh, interpolating again. Nope. It uh, it'll show movies in 4K, so you can buy 4K Blu-rays and play those on it. But it still only displays in 1080p for games, but it does have HDR, so you get rid- uh, you get, so okay. you get richer colors. Okay. But uh, yeah, as far as resolution, it doesn't it doesn't affect it. So okay. I think that's terrible. 17 million in four years. I think that's a terrible number. And if it really does that poorly, then Everything I said about Microsoft being out ahead of everything <laughs> is completely irrelevant because at 17 million, the incentive for third parties to create 4K content for it is like nil. And in all honesty, the incentive for Microsoft to create first party content for it is pretty much nil. So it has to do way better than that for it to be a success. And if it doesn't do better than this, Sony is going to eat its lunch again with the PlayStation 5, which is probably going to happen anyway. But if this, if it only sells that many, Xbox has no chance against PlayStation 5. None. Yeah. Like, zero. So, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that is accurate, is an accurate estimation. I think it's still pathetic, is, I guess, what I'm getting at. Like, I think they're going to sell that many, and I think that's sad that they only sold that many. So, we'll see. I mean, it's got to sell better than the Wii U. It's got to. But it's not... It's not a new console generation. It's just like a refresh thing, man. It's just like, if you're buying an Xbox now, then you might as well get that one. 
to me. Yeah. But people haven't done that with Pro. It's like PS4 Slim outsells Pro like 6 to 1 or something. Because it's cheap as balls. That's a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think they're just saying that like it's not worth the extra 100 plus dollars or around $100 to get that boost with PS4 Pro. Because you can't see it. I mean, especially with PS4 Pro, it's really hard to see the improvements from base PS4 to Pro. Your frame rate's maybe a little bit better. Uh, but otherwise, man, like you have to have a really trained eye. Like The average consumer will not be able to tell the difference. No. So, And that's always a problem, and which is why they always just buy the cheapest model generally. I mean, I, I think the Pro was a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I think they point, did it for VR. I don't know what yeah. they did it for, I really. think that's really ultimately the reason they did it. I think they should have just done the PlayStation 5 in a year or whatever and just blown it out of the water. Yeah. I think, and I've talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show, I think ultimately that is why the PS4 Pro exists, is for PlayStation VR. It needed that little bit of extra juice, because when you're talking about VR, it's like... Frame rates are huge. If you if that little bit of juice got some games from like 25 frames a second to 30 or from 55 to 60, yeah. it's probably worth it. Um, but yeah, I don't think really it was like... they. I don't think they anticipated the PS4 Pro being like the enthusiast console, like Microsoft is kind of branded Xbox One X as um, this high-end, like ultra elite thing that like the, the hardcore gamers will buy. Um, I just, but I think it's more what it is. It's more the people that are going to buy brand new PCs every couple of years. Yeah. Like, that's what the Xbox One X is. And yeah. I think that's a good spot for it. I just, I, I don't know, I think 17 million is about right. I think my other quandary with yeah. Xbox One X is how many people who maybe thought about, okay, I'm going to build this 4K-capable PC, and they start pricing it, yeah. and they're like, holy crap, because it is expensive. I mean, a 4K card alone is like 600 bucks. You don't need a $600 card for 4K. I, I'm if not saying the Xbox One X rates. isn't a good a deal, but... If you want solid frame rates, that's you pretty much have to have at least a GTX 1080, at least. And they're okay. 500 bucks right now. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, and then they look at the Xbox One X, and they're like, sure, I can't surf the internet. Oh, you probably will be able to surf the internet. But I, I can't <laughs> no, do spreadsheets fun. on it, or I can't use Microsoft Word on it, or whatever. Uh, but, man... For five hundred dollars, I can game in four K. I just, I'm just, I don't even know. I just wonder how many people that are in the market for a new PC might decide ultimately for Xbox One X instead. That might give it a little bit of a boost, is what I'm trying to say. I guess maybe we'll see. It'll all come out in the wash soon. Don't have long to wait to see if people jump on uh, coming out later this fall. Well, so my my prediction is that Xbox One X sales are tepid. Tepid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about Sony again, but in a completely different angle, from a completely different angle. So, right after E3, Rocket League is announced for a Switch, um, which is great. Great game, great, perfect platform for that game as well. I think playing Rocket League handheld, pretty cool idea. Yeah. Have you got into Rocket League? Oh, I played a ton of Rocket League. I love Rocket League. Okay, good. Um, So, basically... Psionics comes out and says, well, look, you know, this is, we're not changing this game. It just came out last week and said that they have no plans for a sequel for this, by the way. That this is is what it is. I don't want a sequel. This is like, you wouldn't do Basketball 2. <laughs> <laughs> like, this to me, this is like a, almost like a perfect sport, and like, it looks great. I don't, there's yeah, no Yeah, I mean, it looks good. I think it could look better. Um, no, I, I mean, see, look at this on like a real good PC. It looks amazing. No, I have. I mean, I have a, I have a decent PC. It's, like I said, it's a couple years old, so it's not completely old and raggedy. Um, and you're right, it does look a lot better on PC than it does on PS4, without a doubt. 
Um, and it's serviceable. It's not a bad-looking game by any stretch, but I think in a year or two, like people may be like, yeah, this game looks a little dated. Maybe they'll do a 4K update at some point or something. But uh, basically, they came out and said, this is the game. We're not going to release a sequel. We have no plans to release a sequel. It, the game that we have now is what we've got. And so we want to create one unified online environment for this game. And I mean, if you think about the implications for esports and leagues and things like that, it just makes, yeah. it just makes, it makes too much a lot sense. Of sense. So Nintendo's like, we're down. And you know Nintendo's going to be down because... It they need, don't have one of their own. Right. Like it, need, <laughs> like, it needs it. You know, it needs someone to come in with a game like Rocket League to help them kind of build their esports initiative, their online play. Yeah. Nintendo is about to charge for online play for the first time starting next year, whereas its network has always been free. It needed Rocket League. Microsoft, totally down, because that's just really how Microsoft rolls, to be honest. I mean, that's one thing I'll say about Microsoft. Its first-party stuff has really kind of fallen off a cliff. But I like the aesthetics behind the Xbox brand. Like, I like Phil Spencer's attitude towards things. I like how he just wants to make whoever buys an Xbox console as happy as possible. It isn't yeah. worried about, like, oh, my God, are we going to help Sony by doing this? Well, Sony, who now sits in the catbird seat as the market leader, has decided that it wants to sit on the throne and not play with anybody. So Rock, the Rocket League developers said, said this week that it asked Sony almost every day. <laughs> Think about that. For cross-platform play, and Sony keeps denying Rocket League. And Sony has done this before with other online games, where it said, Yeah, no. this isn't new for them. It's just... It's just now they're obviously the one holding it back. Yeah, even Nintendo at this point is in. So it is undoubtedly the, the sore thumb sticking out at this point. How do you feel about that, Brent? Do you think it's fair game for Sony to run its business how it wants to? Or do you think this is Sony kind of getting full of itself a little bit with the success it's had over the last several years? I'm just not sure I understand their reasoning. Like, what do they gain from this? I think that it does it well. Sony is it? Did you read Sony's excuse? Uh -uh. Which is total is total bullcrap. It's not really why they're doing it. But what it said was it 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 felt the communities on other platforms were unreliable, and it was nervous about exposing its users to the riffraff on other platforms. Yeah, I mean, you can Which make that case for PC, garbage, maybe anything, anything. I mean, it's. You can't make that point. Anyway. All communities are the same. Like, it doesn't well, really... but you're if anyone... you're hamstrung about how much you can't type on the PS4 really unless you plug in like a USB keyboard because you're weird. Right. But, like, I mean, if there's any platform on the PC, holder, there's going to be someone calling you a faggot. It's yeah, going to happen. It's going to happen everywhere. And no, it's it... not. That's what I'm saying. Is that like, it's not? They've got their predefined things they can say to you in the corner, and PC, you're you a faggot is not one right. of them. So like. You cannot type stuff in PS4 as well. I it's, it's no completely one's do that. archaic and it takes forever. By the time you get like the first word typed in, it like the you're game like, starts. F yeah. A game's over. Game, yeah. Sorry. You're, you're getting to the next game, yeah. So it's not but I think USB keyboards work with PS4, whatever. That's irrelevant. But the one thing I was gonna say is the only platform holder that it would make any sense to say this sort of thing would be the Nintendo. Switch. Yeah. Because it I mean, let's be honest, like a lot of people who own the Switch and who own Nintendo platforms are younger. Like yeah. If you get your kid a console who's like five or six years old, nine times out of ten, it's a Nintendo console or a Nintendo handheld. Well, I mean, you, okay, if that's really your problem, disable non-automatic chat. Right. Like, don't let people type stuff in across that. It's not like it changes the game. Right. So and that's my point. It's all a bunch of bull crap. Yeah. It'd be so easy. And you know Rocket League would say, like, whatever, fine. I'm if you're playing on a Sony device, people typing stuff to you doesn't go through only right. the nice it's shot so easy. Kind of stuff. Like it, it's so easy to do, which is why I say Sony's excuse is a big bunch of garbage. It's not why it's really not doing it. Why do you think it is really doing it though? 
I don't know. I, I don't think there's a, a benefit at all. I think they're you're cutting the PS4 out rather than cutting anyone else out. I mean, like, Rocket League, I think, was free on the PS4. It was like a PS4 yeah. Pro. Uh, Wasn't it the very first uh, like PlayStation first Plus freebie? Yeah. yeah. So, like, a ton of them have the game, but, like, this would almost make me buy it somewhere else if all of a sudden <laughs> I can't play it within the leagues and stuff that matter. I mean... Uh, that's that's the angle that matters is the leagues because getting people to play with is not going to be a problem on most platforms because this game is freaking huge and people love it and they play it. Yeah, every you day. just hit find a game and you go. But like, I mean, for Switch it might be hard. But you're talking but, about like maybe my friends playing on a Switch and I'm playing on PC. If we can right. actually group up together, that's right. awesome. It's amazing and it it should absolutely happen. I think Sony just doesn't want its customers exposed to other possibilities unless they absolutely have to be. I don't think Sony, in all honesty, I think Sony, more than Microsoft, I think Sony does not want its people playing with Nintendo. With Nintendo players. Why? Because I just think that there's an opportunity there for the Nintendo users to talk about some awesome Nintendo exclusives that they love. (laughs) What else could it be? I don't know. I mean, I'm grasping at straws here, but I mean, this what the game is great. But let me tell you about Mario Odyssey. And well, think about it that through we'll, on my Switch. Well, no, when you play online, I mean, people talk about other games that they're playing all the time. I mean, and eventually this game's gonna have voice chat. It's not gonna just be text chat forever. Like, at least I would hope so. I guess, man. I don't. I, I agree. There's that no Sony's, other explanation. I I would contend that there has yet to be a good explanation said. Or may, I I agree that explanation is pretty poor. But maybe the only other thing I can think of is that Sony looks at it like there's no advantage for us to do this. So why would we even dedicate a day's time to one programmer to make it work? Because they're going to catch a a lot of bad press for it, which they are. So that's why they do it. It's because it's anti-consumer. Yeah, but I don't think that they anticipated that. And I don't think that Sony's consumers care either. I mean, honestly, I think the Rocket League community on PS4 is the biggest Rocket League community. Of all of them. And it's because they gave it away for free, but however they got there, bottom line is it is. Yeah. And I just don't think Sony needs to play with anybody. And it's like, so why would we? I mean, the only people that are going to be pissed off about it are Switch owners. Because Switch is going to have problems getting enough people for games. It's definitely... I don't think they are, though. If Switch can play with PC people. There's a yeah. ton of... I play on PC now. And, like, there's a ton of people on PC. There are? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know mean, this game started as a PC game, so that, that makes sense, actually. Well, there were, it's on Steam sales and stuff. I think there was something where you got Rocket League for free if you bought a Steam link or something like that. Gotcha. Like there, It's not hard to get your hands on Rocket League. Or to have gotten your hands on it, anyway. Yeah. But uh, so Nintendo is the only platform, even vaguely in a position of, like, well, it might help us if we actually work with as many other platforms as possible. I'm, I'm just super surprised and super glad that Nintendo is okay with that. Yeah. Well, Nintendo's online. It doesn't surprise me that it's it's agreed. Well, to, but this. to me, that's a reasonable decision coming out of Nintendo, being aware that they are behind the times and online, and they're making a little bit of concession for it. That's not a very Nintendo thing. No, to it's do. not. Particularly when you're talking about any sort of online functionality. I mean, I don't know if you know what they're kind not... of setup you have to have to use a headset on Switch. <laughs> yeah, but you it's have to like, like... <laughs> have your phone and then like plug it in. And then it... I don't know. It's it, they're just not a very self-aware company. This seems like a very self-aware decision in so. this area for sure. It's... So great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome, but I just don't understand where Sony's coming from doing this. But worthy of discussion anyway, I believe. Yeah, I'm just I'm I am more impressed with Nintendo than I am disappointed in Sony. That's a good way to put it. I'd agree with that. 
All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that I did the first episode of Shame's Addiction for, which is Player Unknowns. Battlegrounds. Which is funny because you were kind of negative in your Shane's Addiction, and I was like, I want to play this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this looks fun. And so you just played it today, right? Yes. For the first time. This morning time. was my first four games ever. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on this game because I already kind of talked about it at length. Like, Shane's Addiction isn't a review because we take a particular angle of how addictive is this game really, and are you going to get hooked? And therefore, if yeah. you're into that type mm-hmm. of game, should you buy the game? So... Um, I've kind of shared my opinion of it already in that episode. Tell me what you thought. I will provide the counter opinion. Yeah, please do. Is that it is a ton of fun. If you're into the kind of the the Daisy Rust, like those kind of survival games, I think this is like the next level of that. This is the this is the Counter Strike was to other deathmatch games at the time. This is like oh. Let's let's make this round base. Let's herd all these people together. Like there's so many nice little mechanics of of the game design that force you to go together and like do stuff. The and, shrinking like, battlefield does that. And like yeah. you had scared me because you'd said the the smartest move is to sit in the bathroom with a shotgun and it's like maybe for the first minute, but then you gotta hoof it, man. You no, gotta that, get no, to no, this. no, you don't have to hoof it because that all ties into where you leave the plane. You realize well, you yeah, can leave, if you leave you the want. plane somewhere in the middle. That's but what then I you're do. surrounded by people. But it doesn't it's matter. Much more dangerous. You, you can still hole up in a bathroom with a shotgun. <laughs> Like, that doesn't change that. Look, I have played, you just played it this morning. I have played literally 60 or 70 games of this so far. And after... What's your highest ranking yet? I've not won it yet. The lowest I got was fifth, I think. Okay, well, I got third on my fourth playthrough. So, I'm just saying, like, sitting in the bathroom is not the only way to play it. It's not, I didn't say that. I said it was the smartest strategy to take if you want to do well over a large swath of games. Um... I either I, finish I in the top 20 in this game, or I'm one of the first 10 people killed. That's pretty much how it works out for me. I think like that's how time. most people are. <laughs> well, no. Obviously, there's a, a hundred other, a 90 other people I, I in there. I think it feels like that. You either die in the first five minutes, or you die 20 minutes later, because you get your shit together, and you start going, or going Yeah, but I mean, there's a difference between stuff. finishing 45th or 50th and inside the top 20 every time. And I'm telling you, if you use this strategy of make sure you leave the plane with only maybe one or two other people, and... Make sure you land in some kind of a space that's off the way, but near the center of the map. So whenever the battlefield shrinks, you don't have to like run five miles to make sure you don't get killed. You can finish in the top twenty pretty much every single time. And but then that, it doesn't, comes, that doesn't really mean anything. And you, you just sat in a bathroom for ten minutes. So that's what my point. Yeah, it's for some people, it's not going to be that fun of a game. Just don't play it like that. Well, you can play it however you want, but. You're going to die really quickly and not have much of a... In my opinion, if you jump in with everybody else and you leave that plane with 10 other people, your chances of living past the first like five minutes of the game are like slim to none. Well, your, your advice to jump out of the plane when other people aren't jumping out of the plane is very sound advice. Just don't then hole up in a bathroom. Get, get enough weapons so that you're something to be reckoned with and then make your way towards well, no, that's the center. What I, and that's what I do. I mean, if you watch the show, what I talk about is once you land, you start gearing up. You go house to yeah, house yeah, to yeah. house and gear up. And then you generally move to near, near to where, towards everywhere where everyone else is. And then you find like a safe spot to kind of hang out. Like, like you go in a room that has windows on at least two walls and you use those windows to peek outside and see if there's anybody coming. And you sit and you listen for cars pulling up to the building you listen for footsteps of people running next to the building or running into the building, and it just kind of turns into this turtling game. And I'm look, I'm not the only one that plays it this way. Like if you if you read articles of everyone else, that's one of the recommended sort of strategies to succeeding at the game and not dying 
from the 100 to like 40 group of people, which is most people that play the game. If, you're, if your ultimate goal is to be number one and win, you're probably right. If your ultimate goal is to have fun, don't do that, man. I, I have just been running around being like, oh, what's in that building? And then I see a guy also making his way to that building. And so, like, yeah. we face off and have this whole thing happen instead of me just going prone and waiting for 10 minutes until he leaves. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, if, look, if anyone's around the building, I go hunt them down. It's yeah. like you hear the car, you hear the, you can hear footsteps from, like. The audio is really good. Yeah, I mean, literally, a guy can be 100 yards away from the house you're in and you can hear his freaking footsteps. Yeah, I know so you're there, yeah. You, and, yeah, you know they're there. So. Look, and I'm not saying I don't like the game. I'm just saying that there are certain people who will not enjoy this game. I, look, obviously, I played like 60 matches of it. I had a good time playing it at certain points. Yeah. But I think ultimately, the more I played it, the more I realized that if you actually want to be good and win at it, it's not all that fun to play. It's a lot more deliberate. Once, once you start min-maxing, you think you take the fun out of it. It does, kind of, yeah. And look, you can, always, possible. you can always do that if you want. You can always jump out with everybody else and have a total crazy, like, first five minutes of the game where you're just running to try to get any weapon and then trying to shiv somebody while they pull up a shotgun. Like, there's fun to that. And the other part of that, too, is... I think some, some of that's the most fun stuff. Like, I had one where me and this other guy enter a building from the same way. We both just have fists. Yeah. So I run for the shotgun and pick up the shotgun, and he picks up the ammo for the shotgun. And right. I'm like... Uh, and then he just beats me to death with his hands because, like, I can't yeah. fire the shotgun. Well, the melee like in the game is pretty terrible. <laughs> it's, like, one of the most unreliable things but, but ever. But that's, that's not the point. The point is you set up these situations. It's very good at setting up, like, tense situations where I had fun. And, like, is it janky? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really janky. But that, I don't think anyone bought this game thinking it wasn't janky. Like, watch one video. There's no video of this game that doesn't have ten janky things happening. Right, yeah. But it's still fun. It... In at times, I think it's fun. <laughs> it has been fun for me so far. You played four games. <laughs> You're well, gonna actually not have fun. I, I had you. a blast before. Well, how long did you spend playing sixty games? Four days, five days, something like that. I mean, I mean, is that thirty dollars worth to you? Um, well, I was playing it because I knew I was doing the segment for it. So would I have kept playing it if I wasn't doing the segment? Okay, that's a better question. Mm, not as long as I did, <clears throat> but I would have probably played thirty matches, at least half of what I played for sure. Uh, and look, I, there's fun to be had in this game. I don't feel like I dogged it in the, in the segment or anything. I was just trying to explain how certain people are going to resonate with it and certain people aren't. And in fact, yeah. one, of the no, right. one of the last lines in the piece was, if you like games like DayZ and Arma, you're going to love this game. And that's kind of who the people who I recommended it for. And you're a fan of those games. Uh, no. Oh, you're I not? think they're oh, super boring. I hate coming into, like, a world that's already established and getting ganked by some guy oh. that had, like, a sniper rifle off in the distance. I like that everyone starts on the same footing of being completely useless with your fists. Yeah. I think this, this fixes a lot of the problems with that genre. That's why I think it's so interesting. Will someone come along and do this with better graphics? Hopefully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that someone, I mean, someone is going to turn this into one of the biggest games. This, I mean, this is already one of the biggest games of 2017. But somebody will take this and turn it into, like, a straight-up phenomenon. Like, yeah. Activision right now, I, I would be shocked if it's not working on at least some kind of... A, or even EA with, like, Battlefield. Like, for the next Battlefield. Or even, like, Battlefront DLC. Any one of those games, it wouldn't even be that hard. You just set up the game rules to work like this. Like, exactly. Like, Battlefield even has parachutes. Like, just right. do it the same thing and have the shrinking Battlefield. That's what I'm saying. Except you're playing in a, an amazing minute-to-minute -minute game. Right, right. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think even if it's just, like, a DLC for Battlefield 1 or DLC for Battlefront 2... Yeah. Someone else is just going to take the same rules and put it in a game that isn't a janky mess like this one is, <laughs> and it's going to just explode. 
do you think that'll happen before you know player unknown can take his recently acquired millions and you know get an engine upgrade and do this thing for real like a 1.0 version well he is working on clamoring right now (laughs) it's like it's taking a long time for updates to this game but i think the rest of the game industry is also going to take a long time to respond to this i don't know it's just like you said it's so easy you're just setting up like new parameters doesn't mean they're going to do it i think they will I mean, dude, this has sold 4 million copies. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying, like... And that's all the publishers look at. They're like, what? This shooter made by one dude just made... They could do the math on that. That's insane. He's made like $120 million on this. I just... I don't think Battlefield (laughs) 1 is going to come out. I admire this guy. It's incredible what he's done. But, man, imagine putting a team of 15 people on it at EA. It would be amazing. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think it definitely is going to happen. I think they should. I think within a year, it'll happen. And it, I honestly, I think even less. But I, you know, with publishers, I don't want to go out on a limb too far and say it'll be by the end of the year. Uh, I would not be surprised if by January or February of next year, one of EA shooters has this mode in it. I'll put it to you that way. Okay. One of the shooters that comes out in Q4 will have had DLC, I believe, by January, February that has this mode. And I guarantee you they're already working on it. They'd be idiots to not be working on it already. Yeah. And and the industry in general would be really stupid to not go to whoever holds the rights of the Battle Royale film and make a legitimized IP-driven Battle Royale game as well. You think that's popular enough to drive units? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is, for sure. I mean, it's definitely I think a cult with, I think with gamers it is. Because oh, okay, okay. General people, no. Like, my mom has no idea what Battle Royale is. <laughs> like, no clue. I mean, she knows what the Hunger Games is, which that's based off of, but she doesn't yeah. know that it was originally based off Battle Royale. Interesting story. When I used to work at GT, I went to get lunch one day, and uh, I was walking back from getting lunch, and there were two guys in suits walking in front of me, and I heard they told me the whole pitch for Hunger Games right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah. The one guy goes, have you ever seen that movie from Japan, Battle Royale? And the guy goes, no, no. He's like, what is he? He's like, oh, it's about these teenagers who get put on an island. they got to kill each other with these crazy weapons. And he's like, oh, that sounds cool. And he's like, well, we're making a movie based on it. And they started talking about Hunger Games. That's they awesome. started talking about the actors they were trying to get in. Like, it's just crazy the stuff that happens in L.A. just because you're here sometimes. The yeah. people that you run into in the conversations you ever hear. So, so yeah, I mean, I give this guy major props. Like, what? The, I cannot believe this is made by one guy. Yeah, even congrats, though, man. Even though the whole game is, like, cut and paste. I mean, it's the same probably, like, 10 or 15 building types just drop down all over the environment or whatever. So what? Like, what this guy has I mean, done... I think you could make the same case for Minecraft. It wasn't like technical marvel. He just yeah. took the, total, the tools that were available to him and really made it shine. It's an so, idea. That's really what yeah. it is. And then executing it into at least it's a feasible idea. Yeah. And he's done that. Um, but, you know, the fact that they announced, like, okay, we're putting climbing in the game, like, before E3, or no, it was during E3, during the PC Gamer Show. Um, the fact that they announced that, like, at E3, and here we are three weeks later, and you still can't climb shit, like, that shows that, like, things aren't happening at a rapid clip with this game. Now, I'm sure well, he's, he's probably putting all his effort into keeping the servers up. Yeah, I'm There's sure. so many people playing this. And look, dude, the one thing I love about this game is, you know, you can and die in five minutes. that's a 10 job right there. I know. Much less one dude. I know. And, uh, look, the thing about this game is, sure, you can, in most times, you will die in the first, like, five minutes of each match. But, man, you can get into another match so yeah, You're back in a game in, like, two seconds. It's so fast. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, 20 well, you're seconds. Well, you're in that waiting room where everyone runs around naked. Right. But. And that's great. I mean, that is that was essential to the success of this game, by the way. It had to have a quick turnover. If you, 
If you had to sit and wait like five minutes for each match. Or if you had to wait until the end of your match. Right. Forget it. It would have never survived. So I mean, shit, I think Counter-Strike would have a neat mode if they just did Counter-Strike, but when you died, you popped into a new game that was starting. Like, Yeah, you're right. Great. I never have any downtime in Counter-Strike. I'd play the crap out of it. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, that is certainly one of the caveats. Also, one of the sort of more endearing charms of that game, though, too, I think. So so you'd recommend this for 30 bucks. You haven't played a ton of it, but... Uh, so far, yeah. Um, like, are you I mean, excited to go back and play more after we're done with the show and everything? Are you going to go back and play more? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, this is... Um, I was hoping it was going to get on the Steam sale, but it's funny. It's the number one game on Steam, and it's the only one not on sale. Yeah. <laughs> not a surprise. And, like, so that makes me think that, A, it's never going to go on sale, or at least not before release and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I, you'd said this is going to go free-to-play sometime. I do not think that's going to happen. Oh, it'll eventually happen. I guarantee it. Like Overwatch did? Like, no, it's not going to happen. Yes, it absolutely will. Think about when what I just said, when these big publishers start putting out games that completely rip off the idea, which it rips off from a movie, but whatever. Um, think about when these publishers start putting, and the, everyone leaves PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds and starts playing these other more polished games that were built by 100 people instead of Maybe. I 10. think you underestimate how many people are going to be playing this game by the time there's any other option. But I don't, I don't view this game as a game that where people get invested in it because there's no leveling, per se. Like, sure, you there's like a loot system where you can get gear to customize your characters, but that's it. It's like, because of the nature of the mode where everybody starts with nothing, yeah. and then you go down and you have to collect stuff for every single match, there's nothing that you really build on with it. So I can see players this is the one that seeing a better alternative and being like, I have no reason to keep playing this. Oh, there's a hat that I like that I got or a pair of pants. Like, that's not enough. Like, I, I don't think there's any barrier for people to leave this game it, it, until they've got their $30 worth anyway. Once they feel like they've got their, money, their money's worth out of this game, there's no reason for them to stay in this game and go somewhere else where there's a better experience. There just isn't. Unless I, just, I, I have a hard time believing him, making him free-to-play would make him more money than just keeping it $30. Well, because eventually people are going to stop buying it. Once these better options are on the market, no one's going to pay $30 for that game anymore. I did, but, okay, if he was in a vacuum and this game that's here right now is the same game that's there in a year, yeah. But this is pretty admittedly early access. Like, if he makes this game less janky and, like, really works on it, then, yeah, it, they're going to stay with it. I'm not, I'm not saying the sales are going to stop right now. I'm saying... I'm saying they got more than a year left. Mm, I, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think literally as soon as a better option comes out, people will leave Player Unknowns, Battlegrounds, and go to the better game. I, again, once they feel like they've got their money's worth out of that's it. That's really vague, though. The better game. Like, which game is that? I, I gave you a couple of examples of what could easily put this mode into their game. And, I mean, the other part of but it, too, that's, is that's, that... Those are very different. Like, if it's Battlefront, all of a sudden, like, you're going to be, like, a stormtrooper in the middle of nowhere, and, like, you're using those particular weapons. Like, this has a lot of charm because of what it is. Everything oh, else I is Oh, I completely disagree with that. I think the aesthetics of this game are terrible. Like, I, I have no good. attachment whatsoever there's... to that part of this game. None. But the, like, weapon choices and stuff are going to be very different than the others. And That's okay. I mean, using a blaster instead of a shotgun or an assault rifle, I don't see a big difference with that. And it's also, there's, there's Battlefield... There's Battlefield 1 that's out there, and like it's already starting to get to the quarter, sort of the end of the run I of I think Battlefield DLC. 1 would probably be the best candidate. Yeah, for sure. But it could work with any shooter. I mean, that's my point. Is like, this is, I think this is going to end up becoming a standard mode in like every shooter, like a year or two from now. Like This will just be like yeah, maybe. a King of the Hill variant. I mean, and that's the thing. It really is just a, a more elaborate King of the Hill game, which is what we've been yeah. playing in shooters for forever, except instead of 15 guys, it's 100 or whatever. So, um, But that makes a huge difference. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all the difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having the 100 people makes a, a massive difference. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Battlefront 1 had 64 um, already. So it's not like, you know, 100 is completely foreign. And does, is there a big difference between 64 and 100? Not really. I, I don't it know. Depends on the map size. And I would argue that this map is too big sometimes because you just run around for 10 minutes at a time and never even find anyone. That's the other part of the game, too. It's like the map is so freaking huge. And even with 100 people... That's not very many for the size of that map. There's lots of times where I'm just hoofing it, trying to find a car. You don't actually get to use the entirety of that map every game. You're on different sections of it every round. Well, you can land wherever you want. Well, the plane flies a straight line across the map. Right, but then all of a sudden you've got to run 10 miles to get through the next uh, round of shrinkage. Yeah. That's like I just said. There's a lot of running for not just running in this game. Just traversing, trying to find a car. You can get there more quickly. Because uh, you don't know where the focal point's going to be until it appears for the first time. So yeah. I generally try to land somewhere in the general you can, middle. You can guess from where the plane came in, though. Kinda. It doesn't vary that much. I mean, that. even after 60 games, like I don't feel like I have a completely accurate idea of where the center point's going to be. I mean, not accurate, but like because you can. If you waited on the plane till the end and then jumped off, you're probably going to go back the other way. Like it's. Well, not... yeah, it's going to be somewhere near the middle of the massive map. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, the flights, uh, the more you play, the more you'll see. The flight, the plane flight varies drastically. Yeah, it's all Sometimes it just cuts off the bottom of the map. Sometimes it just cuts off the top. Sometimes it just shaves it off the side. Um, And then you land and you're like, oh, crap. Like, I have to run, like, literally, like, six miles to get. So some of those times you just go into a building, get any weapon, and just start running. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, crap. Like, otherwise I'm going to die when they start cutting off the zone and I lose health. I'm not going to make it into the zone. So... Uh, I look, I like the way that it makes me think differently about shooters. That's the thing I love the most about it. It's mm-hmm. how I approach it completely differently to how I play anything else. Um, that doesn't mean that the approach that you're kind of forced to take will resonate with everyone, though. Maybe that's the best way I could sum it up. Yeah, I mean, something this competitive like that, there's definitely going to be people that aren't into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, there's people that don't like, like Battlefield or don't like Battlefront yeah, yeah, or yeah. don't like Call of Duty, you know. Some people, there's people that love Battlefield and hate Call of Duty. And you look at those games outwardly, and they look kind of the same, but, you know, Call of Duty is much more CQC, close quarters, combat, whereas, you know, Battlefield gives you the option to use vehicles and actually use sniper rifles. Is this, is this you playing on the B-roll? Yeah. Nice. Yep. I haven't gotten 10 kills yet. Oh, really? You're ripping people, so, man. Sometimes you just get lucky, though, dude. Yeah. It's like, sometimes it just, it's like any shooter, the perfect storm. You, you come around... A corner, and there's five guys facing the other direction, like looking for. You, know, you just walk up behind them and just kill them all. So, there's a lot of luck involved in this game in general, I think. And as far as like what weapons are, wherever you land, because it's not like you can memorize weapon location. They don't no. spawn in the same place every time. So you it's can't, just like in a house. There's gonna. It's be just something. totally random luck. It's like you're gonna find hopefully something. I'm super glad that's random. But, I, I wasn't totally. Uh, because otherwise, you just have people landing and fighting for those. I mean, he had to do it that way. But it also means that sometimes, like you're just screwed. Like, like yeah, you were saying, I found like three shotguns and no ammo for it. Right. I, like, I mean, on. that happens sometimes. Or <laughs> sometimes you just don't get a rifle at all. Like you, you'll land near a cluster of houses. And all you end up coming out with is a 9mm handgun. I mean, the time that I got to third, I just had a, a 9mm. Somebody on Sifted yesterday in the comments for Shane's Addiction wrote that they had just won a match firing one bullet. That they landed, went in a house, went AFK, came back, there was only two of them left, and he killed the one guy and won the match. <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff can happen in this game. It's just kind of if the way it's set up. you're in just the right house, yeah. 
Well, I mean, they can't. If you don't move, they can't find you. If you don't make any noise. No, I mean, but you were in the center spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what part I mean. Of it too. There's a, there's a whole lot of luck about being in the right zone. There for it is shit. for sure. Yeah, because then you don't have to expose yourself by traveling. That's the other part of it too. Is if you do have to run a long distance, you have these snipers that just sit up on the knolls, and they just snipe your ass when you run out into the open. So. I've, I've yet to not have to hoof it quite a bit. Oh, really? But I oh, like that will. a lot. I had well. one where I was like literally running in front of the wall as it crunched down. Oh, really? I've and there was another guy, another guy came out of some houses over there and I'm like, look at each other and like, nope, just keep running. Yeah, so we yeah. just kind of veered <laughs> off a little bit. But Yeah, there are moments like that for sure. And again, this, is a, this game is really the only game that's going to give you that stuff. So this is why I wanted to talk about it because I yeah. had kind of given my perspective and I wanted our, our viewers to get another perspective. So I'm glad that you ended up enjoying it more than I did so you can kind of show that ray of light to people who maybe <laughs> were more inclined to play this game than others. So well, it's also, you know, it's the hot game right now. I think there's yeah. some benefit to playing it at least a little bit. So The like... problem is is that it's a big commitment. $30 to check out a game that's kind of different and maybe you hate it. I mean, there are people that will hate this game and have no interest in playing it at all. I feel like so. those people know before they buy it. That's why I mentioned like Arma and uh, DayZ. And because a lot of people have had a chance to try those games because they're free to play. Yeah. And so a lot of people know whether they're into kind of that survival shooter type thing, scavenging type deal. So providing a frame of reference, I think, is always important because yeah. it helps people kind of understand where you're coming from. Uh, but yeah, glad we got to give you guys a kind of a second take on PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Thanks, Brent, for getting up early today and giving that a whirl. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was it was so hard. <laughs> Just be like, honey, I gotta play, play well, this I, game. I'm sorry. You have a job. It's I like know. I can't count on you to just be like, screw my job. I'm gonna play the shooter today to make I sure. Had I had already kind of said screw the job today because I'm coming <laughs> here at one p.m. It is so. kind of the holiday, so yeah, there you go. All right, let's move on to our last topic of this week's show. This this topic is high low. So and again, Brent has not. And I like how you kept your paper turned over there. Brent. I'm good. Follow the rules. Um, Let's see. So this is high-low. Basically what I do is I give you a figure and of something that will happen in the future, and then you tell me whether you think that number is going to be higher or lower from the number I give you. Okay. And I thought really hard about these numbers to try to make them difficult. So I hope you're not just like, oh, no-brainer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see. we'll see how it goes. So All right. high, higher or lower, the year Final Fantasy VII Remake is released. And the year is 2020. So is that like January 2020? Like January It's just 1st? the year. Is it going to come out in 2019 or is it going to come out in 2021? Lower. It's going to come out in 2019. You think so? Yeah. So, they, you know, they just really started doing it, developing it, after trying to send it out of house. And then they brought it back in-house and just staffed up for it, like, literally like two months ago. And it's Square Enix. And Final Fantasy XV took 10 years. God, you're right. <laughs> That's depressing, man. God, is higher. That sucks. <laughs> All right. I want to play that. I, I, I go higher gonna, on that one, too. I don't know that I'm going to care in 2021. You will. It's a Final Fantasy VII remake. I guess. You'll absolutely care. Everyone is going to care. They're going to care even more because it took so damn long for it to come out. It will be our last Guardian. It, it might be. It might be the last, last Guardian. Because I don't yeah. see how they can continue doing stuff like this. All right, next one. Higher or lower? Super Mario Odyssey aggregate review score. Okay. And the score is 9.3. Higher. Higher. 
Oh, yeah. Really? Well, it's going to get a Nintendo bump, and the game actually looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see anything that was, like, cause for concern in the footage we've seen or anything like that. Yeah. I feel like the the stuff's pretty varied. I think there's a lot of mileage you're going to get out of the hat and jumping into people. Higher. Yeah. Higher? I think it's going to be, at like, 9.6. I mean, after the Zelda review scores, it might be a 12. <laughs> 37! <Wow. laughs> Seriously. I mean, again, Zelda's a really good game, but man, the scores that it got, I, I'm still a little odds with personally. Um, obviously, these are kind of hard for me to comment on because I personally tried to find what the year or the score or the number that I thought it was going to be. Okay. So me commenting on these. So you think of, it's going to be nine point three? Is basically that's what where I saying. think it's probably going to nest out at. Yeah. No, I, I think it's higher. Okay. Mario usually scores a little lower than Zelda, but the Galaxy games were some of the highest rated games ever. And this is that Super category. Mario Three D World though went down a little bit, but it didn't really have a hook. I, mean, I feel like this is Galaxy level. Okay. So higher than a nine point. <laughs> I hope this is Galaxy level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, I think we all do. <laughs> Uh, let's see, next. The year Nintendo revises the Switch hardware. And the year that I have, that you need to go higher or lower, is 2019. Oh. Mm. So when does the Switch Mini or the Switch SP or Switch Elite... What if they release a Switch version that is only the handheld with no dock? That counts. Uh, Lower. Lower. So you think that's going to happen I soon? I think that's a 2018 release. Really? I think if they can put that in your hand for like $99 or 150 or something, like that's a big deal, man. Well, you know Nintendo just said that it's going to support the 3DS. Reggie said this. It's going to support the 3DS well past 2018. They're probably not going to do that. They still could. I think they should. I think they I should think as well. I think they should have on. launched it alongside the console when it launched. I think it should have been a skew, yeah. Do I have faith in that, though? Hmm. I don't know. That's tough. Because I think your guess is actually probably right. Yeah. Thanks. So, okay, so if they're not... Ga- <laughs> push. If, they're, push. if they're not going to do the cut-down version, then yeah, higher, I guess. Okay. Or the year that you're saying. Yeah. You're blocking out a whole year. Well, yeah, of course. Say, like, June 1st of that year. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll pick higher or lower. Okay. Uh, The next one. Higher or lower? Sales of the Xbox One X in the U.S. before the end of this year. And the number is 200K. (laughs) Um... Do we have any numbers about how many they're making? I don't I think, think, I don't I think, think supply gonna is going to be an issue. I don't you don't think supply is going to be an issue? No. I think they'll have at least a million ready. Higher. Higher? I think it would be better than 200K right out of the gate. I just think those are, those are pretty much the only people that are going to buy it. I just don't think there's any longevity in it for the 2021 thing we were talking about before. Okay. I actually think it may be lower. Because it's only going to be on the market for a month and a half. And the competition, you've got Switch, which is going to be a big competition for this. You've got PlayStation VR, which I think will get a price drop for the holidays. And I think will convince more people to jump in and, and keep people from sort of getting that second console uh, if they're already a PlayStation 4 owner. Maybe. 200K is just not a lot, man. It's not, but 
I mean, look, they're saying only 17 million in four years, so. Are we going to review this in each of these years? Hopefully. And I'll you'll call me up and be like, 2020, you were wrong. Brad, <laughs> you were wrong about 2021. Yeah, Final Fantasy. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is the Final Fantasy VII remake may still not have come out by the time we retire. That's true. I'll be the nursing home, Brent. <laughs> you hit that over there, pal. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one. Higher or lower? The year the PlayStation 5 is released, and the year is 2020. Lower. Lower. I think it's got to be 2019. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know why I'm so certain about that. But <laughs> I don't <laughs> either. <laughs> you I have feel, conviction, I, though. I feel like that's the natural time for them to do the next thing. Okay. You know, two years down the line. And I feel like the Pro's not a huge jump over the over the base PS4 and... Yeah. So you think the Pro is going to be the last incremental step up for Sony? We'll do another one of those before PS5? I, I don't think so. I don't think we're moving to a fluid console generation thing. Like, yeah. I don't think that's good for consoles. So, yeah. That might have been one of the easier ones, I think. I probably should have went for 2019 there as well. Then I would have said higher because I would have said 2020. I think it's going to be one of those two. Okay. All right, here's the last one. Okay. Higher or lower? The sales of Splatoon 2 in the U.S. for its first month. And the number is 350K. First month? Yeah. Lower. Lower? Yeah. I don't know. I have a hard time imagining people that care about Splatoon. I know lots of people like Splatoon. I just it don't. sold, the first one sold like almost 2 million on a platform that only had like a 12 million install base in the first month? No, no. I'm just saying That's total. What I'm saying. Or are you asking me total or are you asking me first month? First month. Okay. I I think lower. Really? I I think you're wrong on that one. I think it'll sell more than that. Arms Maybe. just came out. There's nothing for people to play on Switch. Yeah, but you're still going to I don't think there's that many Switch owners left. Zelda yet. sold more than there were consoles on the market. Zelda is like game of the year. Yeah. But still, this is a lot of Nintendo fans love Splatoon. I you, you may be right. I just I don't I don't have any faith in Splatoon. Well, I think all they're all going to be playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. <laughs> <laughs> not on their Switch. That's sure. Although it looks like it could actually, it's one of the few it games could that could it, run yeah. on the Switch. It could run it. <laughs> and that's it. That's it for High Low. Did you have fun doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that segment. Maybe Matt and I will uh, whip that one back up at another point. Let us know what you guys think as well about both uh, High Low and Would You Rather, if those are things that you would like to see in shows uh, in the future. Um, you know, right now we're in a dead period with games, so we've got to kind of get creative to uh, have a show. Um, and there are going to be other dead periods going forward. So let us know if you like those segments and if we should bring them back for future episodes of Game Face. So we're going to move on to our trailer of the week. Much like everything else, there were no really good trailers yeah. this week. I mean, literally none. Um, even this one is not especially great. But, I, I <laughs> but it's I, our trailer of the week. But let's watch it. <laughs> I, uh, I chose this one because there actually, there's actually some relevance to it. it is the, uh, it's a new trailer for uh, StarCraft Remastered. And the reason I chose it, one, it's a decent trailer. 
Uh, but two is because they just announced that it's coming out on August 14th for just $15. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, which is great. So uh, I'm going to totally skip that, but I'm going to actually buy it for 15 For 15 bucks, yeah, it's not? like, why not? So uh figured we'd pop this one up because it's kind of one of the bigger news stories that came out over the last couple of days. And like I said, the trailers this week sucked. So as always, get those questions in right now while you watch the trailer. Here it is, StarCraft Remastered. a pretty good trailer it's not terrible. yeah it was it was a fun trailer i was hoping we we're gonna see some footage <laughs> <laughs> no they didn't really show the game at no. all uh but uh let me tell you it was slim pickings this week and that was a winner by a mile for go. our trailer of the week so uh and i think the important thing we want to get out there is that it is coming out fairly soon for very cheap so uh let's see if we got some questions in our chat um let's see Uh, let's see here the comment about high or low. Great segments, but don't do it every week. We would never do it every week. We don't do every, anything every week. <laughs> yeah, except for, yeah, except for Persona 5. That, that did hang around for a good, like, four months. That's a good point. <laughs> Sam was so sick of watching that B-roll. I think he's about to kill us. Uh, here's a comment from The Legacy. Uh, either Sony is afraid of another hack, or they just don't want to expose their customers to other console players. That way they don't leave the PlayStation ecosystem. Is it valid as an excuse as any? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's basically what they're saying. I just, yeah. I just don't buy it. Yeah. That doesn't mean they don't mean it earnestly. It's true. I just think it's dumb. Yep. Uh, Justin Horman, it's almost summer games done quick time again. Is there a game for which you could watch someone else play for hours at a time? Or being as busy as you dudes are, can you only stomach the 15 to 30 minute glitch fest runs? Hmm. Do you watch Let's Plays? I watch a lot of Dark Souls Let's Plays. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it really can depends. Like, I really like the ones where they're like, all right, I'm going to do this one with just this one shitty weapon. And, like, yeah. they try to go through. No, I can see that for sure. Those are pretty fun. Um, I don't know. I bet, I bet Player in No Battlegrounds is pretty fun to watch. Should be. On Twitch. Yeah. I haven't actually done it. Yeah, maybe I'll stream that here not too long. Um, <laughs> the game I've watched streamed the most just over time, but I haven't watched it a lot recently, is League of Legends. Um, because you can find players that just play as your main. And so... Uh, that's kind of cool. So once I would find, like, people who... I play Teemo a lot. I know people hate Teemo. I like Teemo. People hate him because they say he's, like, a noob character or whatever, but... You can be invisible. Yeah. I, I don't know why people say it's a noob character, because he's so mushy. He's, hard. he's so mushy. It's like he gets yeah. hit twice, he dies. But anyway, aside from my, my Teemo uh, support... Um, which he's not actually a support character, but you can find players who are really good at Teemo, and then you watch them play, you stuff, and yeah. you learn like how to play each lane, because Teemo is one of the characters where you actually, he can play anything. He can play all three lanes, he can play ADC, support, he can play Jung, so I watch like Teemo players to figure out how they play him across like all the different lanes and different roles. Um, so that is the game I have watched stream most cumulative. Yeah, um, the, most, the most I've ever done is StarCraft 2. I mean, I used to Make lunch, sit down, and watch a replay of StarCraft back. Yeah. You know, it was like Husky and those guys doing it. And, like, that was just such a level above what I could do. It was always amazing. And that, I, that I think, <laughs> is the big draw to me of watching other people play games is watching people that are better than me. So I mm -hmm. can learn from them and I can get better at it. I don't really find much entertainment value in it, per se. Um, I don't watch to, like, laugh. I haven't really found any streamers I really thought were funny or different. Like, I watch them based upon how good they are. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I'm in a first-person shooter, into a first-person shooter at that point, I'll go watch somebody who's really good. Yeah, he play. better be killing everyone. Yeah, but I'll watch him play because I'll say, okay, what's his loadout? What are the guns he's using? What are his attachments that he's using? Uh, where does he sit? Like, how does he cycle the map? Um, what choke points has he found where lots of people are running through so he can just roll yeah. up kills? I generally watch other people playing so that I can get better at whatever I'm playing. Um, I rarely ever watch games just because, like, I don't want to play them, so I'd rather watch somebody else play them. Like, that's just not really a part of the equation for me. Yeah, I never watch a single-player game, even though that's a thing. Yeah, I don't either. It's like, I would always rather play the game than watch somebody else play it, but if I can watch someone else playing to get better at what I play, then I'm totally cool with that. So, And I've watched, uh, recently I've been watching a good bit of Rocket League, even though I actually haven't played it that much. I think I've been watching it to see how good people are. I want to see, I think I'm comparing them to how good I was when I stopped playing. Mm -hmm. Because when I stopped playing Rocket League, I honestly stopped because I got tired of being put on teams that were bad. Um, because in that game, like... You, you didn't have, play the tournament stuff? I have not, no. Well, they have, like, ranking systems, so, like, you have a ranking score, and they would just keep putting you with people of that rank. Yeah, I haven't done that. I had dropped okay. that way before that. was pretty... That. that was later on. Yeah, I... But that I, was pretty fun for finding games of people that were your... Ability. I could imagine. That would, and that would be a huge help to me. Uh, because, it lit I mean, literally in that game, if you have one person who can't play, the whole game is ruined. I it mean, really is. Or they just drop, and you're like, right. great. Because nice. they, right. it's ranked, they won't put a new person in. Right, exactly. And you end up having to play, like, and I've had games where it's, like, me against the whole other team, and, like... Yeah, just drop. Yeah. I, but, I still play it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would still finish the game, because it's, like, a challenge. I'm like, yeah. if I can score once, once against three people, yeah. like, that feels good. Um, and so I kind of dropped out playing. So in the last like few weeks, like there was a tournament like a couple weeks ago that was on on the weekend. I think there's another one this weekend. I started watching a little bit of that to just see how good they are. Because uh, I had gotten pretty good at the game when I finally stopped playing it. And wow, 
Oh my gosh. Pretty good. <laughs> wow. Like, I think I was pretty decent, but, like, you see guys just, like, floating in the air and, like, bouncing the ball as they go and then drop it in the goal. You're like, okay, that, I'm never going to be able to do well, that. Well, it's like, you know, there's there's a layer. That's why this is a good competitive game, because there's layers to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, there's there's jumping and, you know, time your jumps and aim your shots, but then there's the jumping and be able to sustain your hover and then arc while you're flying up to make contact. Yeah. And that's, like, the... The, the ceiling I have yet to break through. I have not got to the point where I'm in the air hovering. I can control my hover like I'm flying a jet or whatever and actually curve my vehicle into the ball. Not only just to make contact with the ball at all, but to target that freaking thing like right into the top corner of the goal. Like I, I was at like the contact at all phase right. yeah. for the you know jump over. I feel like that the, the whole hover mechanic in that game needs to be more intuitive. It just seems like really awkward. It's like... Oh, I liked that. I like that it's hard. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm okay with it being a challenge. It should be if it's like an advanced tactic. But I just thought that like it could have been designed a little better to make it a little more intuitive. So I don't know. I felt like I was like playing with my left hand or something, <laughs> like when I was trying to learn how to do it. But uh, but yeah, those are pretty much the only games that I watch. Mostly competitive games that I want to get better at. So okay. Uh, let's see what else. I see Randy Marsh Beer says that Arma and Day Z are not free to play. So I, I didn't think they were, but corrections I wasn't and gonna... retractions before the next episode. Right? <laughs> okay, I wasn't going to fight you on it. Uh, but there are other survival games that are free to play. Rust is free to play, right? Or is it? No, they I just had to refund like a ton of money back to people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's obviously not free to play. But Rust is hilarious because you have a gigantic dong. You have a what? That, that was the one where, like, you, you sign up and it uses your Steam ID to generate your oh, body right. type. Oh, right. That's and, right. And, like, that's it. So you might have just, like, a huge <laughs> dong or, like, a little tiny pencil. And, or you might be a girl or whatever. And everyone's like, I don't want to play this person. It's like, it's like dude, you have that's to life, man. You wake on. up and you either have that or you don't. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. hilarious. More like you're born and you either have it or not, right? Uh, here's one from JM Rain ninety nine. Sit to games. What HD or four K remakes need to be made now? Uh, Shenmue. I, uh, Mass Effect remakes, not remasters. Remakes of the first two Shenmue games. Okay. I Iron still... out all the kinks. I think I think Mass Effects with. The Andromeda graphics. Mass and Effect like, 1. Maybe even the combat and stuff. Just all of them together, just make like one huge thing. That'd be sweet. Yeah. But I mean, Mass Effect 1 is the one that really needs remade. Like, they need to change Yeah, 2 is still works. very playable. 1 yeah. is like, the inventory is atrocious. And yeah. Like, well, and the gunplay, everything the gunplay's about terrible. it is. terrible. Yeah, they made it. 2 is a completely different game. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see what else. What are the questions you guys got for us? Uh, w. Matthew says, Player Unknown Battlegrounds was made by a team in South Korea. I thought it was just one dude. I think everyone thinks it's one dude. Oh, well then, good. I hope uh, they're staffing up. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's why the game is called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. The guy that made it, his name is Player Unknown. <laughs> Maybe he's got other people helping him. Now those South least. Korean guys need to get to work then. If there's because it's like I give a lot of passes in that game for, because it's made by one person. But if there's really more people than that, then oh, uh, I don't know. You might want to fact check that, W. Matthew. I mean, every everyone on every podcast says it's made by one guy. So it well, maybe, might have maybe been, everybody is wrong. It but. may have been, and then they hire more people. That could be. 
Uh, the second part uh, of his comment was said, why do you even think Battlefield or Call of Duty could handle that style of game? I'm not sure Frostbite can handle 100-player matches at an engine level. We talked about that. We talked about how uh, Battlefront 2 has 65 people already, or 60, 64 people already. That's a Frostbite game. Yeah. And then we, we wondered whether you could really tell a difference between there being 65 people in a game or 100 people in a game. And well, then we wondered the, if it wouldn't be so hard if you cut down on some of the detail on the character models to just get it to 100. I mean, in the current gameplay styles of Battlefield 1, like... There are whole sections of people you don't see because you're just yeah. not in that section of the battlefield. No, right, so going yeah. from 64 to 100 and that kind of a thing, I don't think would really... I'm not sure it's a technical limitation so much as just a, there's not a great reason to do it. Right now, yeah. Um, but if you're doing it like this, where everyone's just constantly coming together and murdering each other and then getting smaller, then yeah, I think there's benefit to being 100, and I think they can do that. Uh, they absolutely can do it. They could, there's a million different ways they could do it. They could just make sure that the map that you play it on doesn't have as much detail on it, and then it's easy to squeeze 100. I mean, look, this, these maps you're playing on in PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds are cut-and-paste maps. It's the same trees, the same houses, the same everything. There's no reason to think that they couldn't cut down the detail a little bit in one of their maps. Well, arguably, you'd have to do your networking code a little bit differently, but yeah. I think they've already had to do that to maintain 64 right. people, so yeah. I think they're probably fine. Yeah. Um, let's see. This is from Joachim Dragoon. Do you think that reviews should have a second look feature for games since many games can change significantly after launch? And I'm guessing this was spurred on by Mass Effect Andromeda. I think that happens organically via podcasts and video casts. Because typically how it works is whoever reviews a game goes on the podcast that week, which I do, and IGN does it, and GameSpot does it. Whoever yeah. reviews it goes on, and then he gets questioned by whoever else is on the panel. In my case, it's usually Matt who asks me questions about it, or hopefully Matt's played it and we can have a, a more sort of back and forth. Um, but it, everywhere else, it is one guy who reviews it, and then like the other three or four people grill him on it. And then what happens is those people go play it, and then you'll see follow-up discussion on it in the following episodes. Like Sam was just saying with Persona 5. Like we talked about Persona 5 for literally like six episodes because <laughs> that game's so freaking huge and there's a lot to talk about. And Matt's play was staggered against mine. So he'd be experiencing things that I had experienced like the month prior or whatever, and we talk about it a little bit. So I mean, that takes care of your hardcores and your people that listen to gaming podcasts, but like... As far as the score is Joe concerned. Joe Q Gamer that's just checking Metacritic yeah. is going to say like, oh, this game's trash. Moving on. Yeah. I mean, it's a problem. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, and it has been a problem for a while. There's tons of games that have been patched and made significantly better uh, months and months after the release. I mean, Ukulele is getting a patch... For PC, I think I got it today, actually, that is just absolutely gigantic. Like, the patch notes on a web page were, like, this long. And, I mean, that game is going to be vastly improved with those patches. There's just no denying it, at yeah. least for the most part. But most publications are not going to go back and reevaluate the game. It's hard to create. One, it's hard to find the time to go back and play the game all the way through again, particularly games that are, like, 30, 40 hours long, like Ukulele. Or, or a Mass Effect. Or a Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, and so all you can do is go back and say, yep, the facial animation's better. Like, how much does that change my score now, like, a week later? Um, unfortunately, I just feel like we're kind of trapped in this system where it is what it is and sort of fluid review scores. It's just not feasible. I mean, I would almost say that I don't want fluid review scores because I want them to release a good game the first time. It lets them, I want it them lets to be them penalized the hook. by doing that. You're right. It lets them off the hook so that they can say, well, look, let us go back and update it, and, and the review scores will go up over the next two weeks. You're right. It actually like, gives uh, them like an out. 
like CD Projekt Red was guilty of this. Like Witcher One and Witcher Two were completely different games a year after their release. Yeah, and, like right. Witcher Three was pretty banging. Day right one, out of the gate. Like, yeah. like thank you. Yeah. You learned from your mistakes. Yep. And the reason they learned is because they got beat up for them before. Even though yeah. they improved it, they didn't see the rewards of improving the game. I mean, especially it, Witcher Two, which was a really good game but super janky when it released. Yeah. So it's like they probably got hurt pretty bad on that for in sure. terms of sales. Yep. So, yeah, I think. Uh, in a lot, of, a lot of times when you're dealing with long-standing systems, things may seem like they don't make sense, but when you start digging into them, you start to figure out why they have ended up where they are. And I think this was the case. As we started to discuss it, you start to realize, like, there's a reason people don't update their review scores, because you're basically letting the development team off the hook for releasing unfinished games. It's also super hard. Yeah, it's a, Go it's back and play every game feasible. three times. It's just not feasible. So, and I also think that that's where the community comes into play on any given website, not just Sifted. That's where you guys can jump in and look, go back into any of our old evals and if you played a game and you disagree with it or it's been improved, you can go in and make a difference. You can leave a comment there and say, hey, you know, this thing that was broken at launch has actually been fixed and it works great now. So um, in some ways, I think you maybe you rely on your community a little bit to kind of fill in those, those gaps as well yeah. as they play it later on after you finished it and moved on. I mean, the reality is that it would be nice to have a little addendum that says all the shit we talked about here was fixed at the yeah. bottom of the review. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, great. Now I'm reading this. I understand what was happening here. But Polygon is one hard. publication they that... They do that to a certain extent. They have... Well, what they do is they'll issue a provisional review score first. If they're... Like, sometimes if they play online... Wildly broken stuff, yeah. Or if they play online and, uh, like, the game is online-driven and they play on like servers with nobody on them they'll give it a provisional score and then they'll go back and play it on the public servers and then come back and say oh it ended up being just as good on public servers or it was worse or it was better and they'll adjust their score a little bit but yeah i think polygon's the only one that i know of this doing anything like that so and they have the money to do it they can afford it uh i'm glad some people like the trailer <laughs> i don't feel so bad for running it in the show now um from Kadaz, number one. What's up, Kadaz? Another regular. Uh, with most announced games coming out by early 2018, but the SAG after a voice actor strike ongoing, when do you think the video game industry really starts feeling a squeeze uh, to resolve the strike so games can continue coming out? I thought they did resolve the strike. Have they not finished it? No, I don't think it is resolved. Oh. Um, I mean, we're already feeling a little bit of a squeeze. Um, this wasn't actually related to the SAG after strike, but there's also another strike going on with a similar organization in Canada. But Life is Strange, the sequel, well, the prequel is what it is, is not going to have game. the same voice actors that it, the first game had. Like, the returning, one of the recurring characters is not going to have the same voice actress because she is in the union in Canada, yeah. and they are also on strike fighting for better wages. So um, we're Oops. already starting to see some of it now, and I think it's only going to get worse. This, this was the first time... I think we're going to hear the story consistently until they get it solved. Um, right now is an unfortunate time if you're trying to do pickups on your game and you had hired someone from SAG or AFTRA, AFTRA and you're trying to finish your game and you're like, oh my god, we need like a line pickup. And something you would pay that person like $500 for is like holding up the production of your game. Like it can get really nasty. Yeah. Particularly if you're talking about games that are narrative driven, story driven. Um, yeah. You want a little tweak to your plot here or there. That's just not happening anymore. Like, you got to pretty much stick to your guns at this point with your story. So I Better hope you did a lot of takes. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is that it's not all up to the video game industry because this is these are the same organizations that rule television and film as well. So 
just getting the game side of it to come to them and say, hey, okay, we'll give you more money, that's not going to end the strike because they're striking against the television and the movie production houses as well. So it has to be a joint effort among all entertainment to start paying these people what they want. And I mean, man, they've, I feel like the industry's really dug in its heels on this and just won't relent. Um, most of the demands from the union aren't all that extreme. No, um, it really seems like they're in the right on almost every count. Yeah. It's like, Some of the things that they're asking for, I'm like, you aren't getting that? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, uh, you can make me scream for eight hours straight and that's okay? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, uh, it seems to me like the industry needs to get on board here. And I think they just ha it hasn't felt a big enough sting for it to do that, but it's going to happen and it's going to come. So Yeah, it's kind of long production cycles, so it'll be a little bit before we feel that sting. Yep. Uh, so yeah, good question though. Really good question. Kadaz delivers. Um, oh, here's here's one from Hippie2000. <laughs> this is crazy. If you have time, I don't know what that preface is for. If you have time, why did a porn star end up on Invisible Walls? <laughs> why wouldn't one? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, because she knew her stuff. That's why. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember, that was Invisible Walls 100, I think that was, when we brought Misty Dawn onto mm -hmm. the show. And uh, it was actually a friend of Marcus's. She was a friend of Marcus's. He recommended her to come onto the show, and uh, I told him no. Because <laughs> he just said, hey, I know this porn star, Misty Dawn, who wants to come on the show. And I was like, no, like, why would we do that? And he's like, oh, no, she's like, she knows games. And I was like, oh, I've heard that before. So I did a phone call with her mm -hmm. before we let her come on the show. And I would do that with any guest host just to make sure that it, well, they weren't just talking out their butt or whatever. And uh, I talked to her about RPGs. And she was coming on specifically to talk about RPGs. That was why she was coming on the show. She wasn't there the whole episode. She just came on to talk about that topic. And uh, she knew her shit. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. She, she knew RPGs as well, if not better, than I did. Um, she didn't know anything else. That was the genre that she played, and she knew it very, very well. And uh, I thought she added great uh, input into that discussion. I didn't think she stood out like a sore thumb, like, oh, we just got her on here because she's a porn star. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious that that wasn't why we brought her on anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what started it. We were looking for guests to come on Invisible Walls 100, and everyone was kind of pitching ideas, and that was one of the ideas that Marcus pitched uh, was to bring her on. And I said no at first, and then she proved herself to me, and we brought her on the show. So... There you go. And she's going to be back for Game Face episode 100. <laughs> Batting down the hatches. Uh, Vinaraba. I see you playing Battlegrounds all the time. You're, uh, we're friends on Steam, and I see you keep popping up. I want to join you, but I'm always busy doing something else. Uh, Shane, have you tried playing the duo or squad modes in Battlegrounds? I have not. Um, so I've... does that mean everyone is a duo? Mm, I don't know. I haven't even tried it. I didn't even see the option. Where do you choose that? It's like when you, when you click play Battlegrounds, you can choose your server, and then at the bottom it says solo or duo or squad. I don't see a server browser in that game at all. I mean, it says, like, just North America. That's it. Whatever. Oh, That's okay. all it is. Oh, okay, it's just, gotcha. just below that it says solo duo. Oh, gotcha. I never even, I never even noticed it. So I have not played it at all. Um, but I did see a couple people commented um, on Shane's Addiction saying that they prefer to play it that way. Oh, okay. Um... You I can, can see that that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. 
And Especially you can set up like little traps and stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you could like sort of like goad people in, <laughs> like have someone run across a field and then have like these people running after them and they just totally set up a trap and wipe them all out. Be sweet. I could totally see that being fun. I mean, you could have <clears throat> you can have uneasy alliances with people as well in the game. Like um, there's been times where we've started. And I've ended up in the same, like, building with, like, three people. And people don't, like, attack each other. Instead of, like, trying to punch each other and kill each other, they just are all, like, everybody go find a weapon. And yeah. everyone just runs away and goes and finds a weapon. So there are those moments in the game where you kind of form this very quick truce with, so with someone saying, I'm not going to kill you and you're not going to kill me. Let's actually try to have some fun in this match and go get a weapon and I'm going to get one and then let the chips fall where they may, so to speak. So I like that part of it. Um, and I will try to give the team and duo a try as well. Um, Shellburn, if you had unlimited time and resources, wouldn't that be nice? What game would you like to speedrun? Basically, he's asking, what game could you play over and over again without going insane? Uh, Dark Souls 3. Yeah? Man, I've already played it. Speedrunning that, though? Oh, I'm, doing, uh, I'm finishing up an SL1 run. Oh, really? It's just got to be harder than a yeah. speed run. I guess the speed run's already kind of... You don't level up very much. Right. You're just intrinsically um, trying to skirt around everything. I don't know. It's funny because the speed runs online are really hard to watch because... Yeah. So, like, in Dark Souls, you have all these moments where you, like, press on the door and it opens over so slowly. So, like, it's so slow that everyone starts and quits the game and comes back because it, it officially stops the counter. Right, right. And then you come back and the door's open and you're like, oh, my God. I can't watch. I would, play, so I would not do it. any game that you have to do stuff like that. I would not do any game that you have to do stuff like that. I would not do any game that's extremely long. Because how frustrating would it be to get like four hours and 45 minutes into a speedrun attempt and then just totally botch something? That's how it goes, That man. you know that you just lost like three minutes of your time and you're never going to break your record. Like, yeah. that just... that I'll never be at a point in my life where I can do that. Where I can just waste that much time. Um... As far as what game I would like to speedrun, I think probably Super Mario 64, uh, but it's too big. But as far as, like, enjoying my time trying to do things faster and get better at it, I would love to do it with that game. If it were, like, three stages long. Uh, Spelunky speedrun is super fun. One of the achievements for it is to do it in under eight minutes. And uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I've seen you actually put some... Well, I think the first video... Ever posted to Sifted yeah. was you and your wife playing Spelunky together. Yeah, we played a ton That was the first Spelunky. test for our video player, was that video. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. Gohan Rage. Will PS5 support VR headsets where each eye is 4K 60 frames per second? I doubt the Xbox One X could handle two 4K images. No. If you've, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've seen the... There are demos online where you can, like, simulate the screen door effect of different resolutions. And 4K looks good. No, I'm sure. Like, yeah. so 4K for both eyes is good to go. I don't, you don't need double that. Maybe, <laughs> I, can, I think you can make an <clears throat> argument for five. Um, but, like, eight? No. I don't think PS5 will be that powerful, no. I really don't. <laughs> no, no, no. Even in 2019. No, that's not going to happen. Um, the Abram. Do you guys think if Nintendo will develop more new in-house IPs for the Switch in line with Splatoon and ARMS? I, I, I'm worried ARMS was it. Was it there Splatoon be. of this year? Or of this gen, you mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the Wii Splatoon U, too, the only so real like... new IP it released for Wii U was Splatoon. Yeah. 
and here we are with Switch, and it put ARMS out early in the Switch's lifespan. Um, I think a lot of it depends on how well ARMS does. It seems to be selling pretty well in Japan. We haven't really got any numbers in the U.S. yet. Um, it did not do particularly well in the U.K. I think it got to like third or fourth just one week, and then it disappeared off the chart. And again, you know, the Switch doesn't have a huge install base, but Zelda did do well on the U.K. charts, to put that, put that in perspective for you. So I think if ARMS sells well, it will give Nintendo more incentive for a new IP. But it's also extremely rare for first-party platform holders to release new IP late in the cycle. Um, yeah, they're, they're making system sellers if they're doing it. Right. Um, Not that ARMS is a system seller. Yeah, particularly with Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo, it's like, you know, what's next? It's Smash Brothers is going to be next, and that's going to take a lot of resources, and if they can get him on to develop it again, which will just throw more money at him, and he'll probably do it. But... Um, and you start seeing that cycle, though, with Nintendo. And, I mean, one thing that may be positive in that way for Switch is that Nintendo's kind of went through the cycle already. I mean, it's got a Zelda. It's got a Mario. They just announced Kirby. They just announced Yoshi. Uh, they just announced Metroid. Metroid on the way at some point. What's really left? They already released a, Mar a Mario Kart for it, but I think we will get an original Mario Kart before the Switch is done. Yeah. Um, but then we, you're left with this, like, Smash Brothers. So maybe later on in the Switch's life, we'll, we will start seeing maybe some new IPs, which is out of order with other platform holders in general. But it is Nintendo that dances to the beat of its own drum a lot of times, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more surprised that ARMS exists than I am. Yeah. <laughs> hopeful that they're going to get anything new this generation. Yeah. Did you play ARMS? Do you own a Switch? Not yet. Yeah. If you did, you'd even be interested in it. I've heard good things. More than I expected to hear. Yeah. Because I thought it looked pretty dumb, but yeah. apparently it's pretty fun. It is, and it's deep. <clears throat> surprisingly deep, the gameplay in that game. Uh, it's hard, I think. At least the single-player campaign was when you played it on the harder difficulties. So, um, I would say the chances are pretty slim, but if there's one first party that I think would do it, it would be Nintendo, particularly with the Switch and the way the software cycle has lined up for that platform so far. Um, oh, cheater hater. And more corrections and retractions in episode. It's a great part about chat. Uh, Super Punch-Out and Super Fi Street Fighter 2 Turbo are on the SNES Classic? Street Fighter 2 isn't on the SNES Classic. You talking about the J Japanese version, maybe? I don't know. If Punch-Out's on there, I completely missed that. I even read an article where somebody else complained that Street Fighter 2 wasn't on... Yes, NES Classic. Maybe I'm mistaken. Um, oh, now Vinarab is back and they're saying that maybe it wasn't a Korean team that made Player Unknown. I don't know. Uh, do we have any more? Oh, Street Fighter 2. Is it on there? Mm-hmm. Um, Axel F. And Super Punch Out. So. Wow. <laughs> where's, where's, where's the buzzer on this I think thing? I need to buy an SCN. I don't think it even has a buzzer, unfortunately. Where's, I'll, I'll use the bomb. There you go. <laughs> That's that me great. crashing and burning on this episode. Uh, let's see. Why do the game companies avoid hiring non-union voice talent? Because they're not as good. <laughs> yeah, all the good ones do their best to get in the union. They do yeah. their best to get in the union because you get paid more if you're in the union. So, 
you find the people who aren't as good are not in the union because they'll pick up the table scraps for from the companies who do not use union employees. So that's pretty much how it works. They'll, they're willing to take the less pay. The better actors are, are more willing to pay the, the dues of being in the union because they know they're going to make it back. The smaller guys are nervous about paying dues because they're afraid they may just be float, throwing money away. So uh, in general, the better voice actors are the people who are in the union. I'm not saying that there are not great voice actors who are not in the union, though. Um, but that's just a general, and that's across all entertainment, not just games. That's with films and everything else. So, yeah, wasn't it GTA Four? Um, like a lot of that was non-union, and like they didn't tell him what it was for. He yep, didn't know. It absolutely. It was, was. And then like it's a huge game. It's like well, he got like his five grand or whatever he yep, got. For... They didn't get residuals or anything off of no. it. Yep, that's Rockstar like, for you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Good question though. Um... From Erebus Jones, do you think there will be an N64 mini console? And if there is, what games would you like to see? No. I, think they, I think they said they won't. No, they haven't said they won't, but everyone else is assuming that they won't. Um, and I, no, I don't think it'll happen at all. Uh, the N64 games just, frankly, just don't hold up. Um, if they were, let's say, to put a far more powerful processor in the N64 mini, and those games that were running at 15 to 20 frames per second suddenly ran at a steady 30... Then I think they've got something. And then I think they have enough games. They probably have 20 games, maybe. I mean, once you get over, like, the 15 mark with N64, it starts to get real thin. Yeah. Then you're talking about stuff like Mischief Makers and, like, Blast Core and stuff like that, which are great games, but they're really niche. Um, yeah, you've got your, your Super Mario 64s and your Ocarina and Majora's Mask and stuff. But and like, all your rare stuff. I think once you hit, like, 10 games, it's like, mm. It starts, yeah, I mean, there's... I think I put together a list of N64 games one time. In fact, I know I did whenever I was setting up the database for Sifted. Because what I did for the legacy consoles is I would go back and find the 50 best games yeah. for each platform. Um, so, like, I went back to PlayStation 1 and I looked on Metacritic and found the top 50 aggregate review scores for PlayStation 1. I just wanted to make sure that right at launch, we at least had the 50 best games for every platform on the site. Yeah. And we've gone back since and just added thousands and thousands. But... Um, and I did that for N64, and what I found was after 15, you started getting into the games that like had niche audiences that really liked the game, but if you look at their aggregate scores, the scores started like going down. So yeah, there's about 15 really good N64 games, and after that, it, there's a pretty steep fall off. So um, well, getting it out to 20 would be tough, and they just don't look good anymore. Yeah, once you're in 3D, you kind of lose a little bit of that nostalgia. It's why I don't think there'll ever be a mini PlayStation 1. Like, I just don't... Those games really look god-awful. Like, like four polygon heads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with, awesome. like, some god-awful, like, face plastered on one side of the square or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, the early 3D consoles just don't really lend themselves well to retro stuff. They just don't. So, I think that's why you see a lot of uh, remakes from that era of games. Well, if, if you emulate Super Mario 64, it actually looks really good. Yeah, but if you emulate, but if you emulate Ocarina of Time, it looks pretty awful. Yeah, well, I mean, because his face is like... <laughs> it's not even just that. It's like um, when they made that a lot of these N64 games, they actually accounted, count, accounted for the blurry visuals. So... If you know, remember in Ocarina of Time, there's that kind of, like, sprite thing that, like, just kind of flies through the air and just goes all around. And it's just there for, like, atmosphere or whatever. Navi? No, Navi is the, the fairy. But there are, like, these almost, like, worm-like things that fly through the sky. You haven't noticed them? 
fire. They're really small. They're only like this big, but they look like almost like worms that just swim through the air in certain parts of the game. I don't remember that at all, but I believe you. Okay. Well, if you look at them on native N64 hardware, they look like these like ethereal like fairy things that are floating through the air. You watch it emulated though. Like if you use one of the emulators for N64, it's literally little square polygons just hooked together. <laughs> That's all it is. But and that are animated like this. And then but when you see it with the blur of the N64, they look like they have like these shimmers like all around them. It looks like completely different stuff. So it's interesting how that team at that least sounds with, like they didn't emulate a shader right. There I don't think there are any shaders in N sixty four games. Sure there are. I don't think there are. Something could be wrong with the emulation, but it just didn't rise to the top of stuff to get fixed because they're those little dudes. I don't think so. I think it really was just connected little cubes that just animated. I maybe, mean, maybe. I mean, I don't you got to realize the N64 could only push, I think it was like 400,000 polygons at a time or something crazy. You know, that was PlayStation. Like N64 was like 180,000. Yeah. PlayStation could actually push more polygons. It just couldn't put out as many textures or as quality textures, which is why you would get the textures that would like shake or like shift. But it could actually push more polygons. So there was like a give and a take with the PlayStation and N64 hardware there. It just all depended on what you what you preferred to see it, essentially. So, yeah. Uh, I just don't think the N64 stuff holds up very well, or the original PlayStation stuff. Uh, so we'll take maybe one or two more if we got them. Um, no one's talking about the N64. <laughs> So Shelburne's saying that PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is a Korean team of 35 people, increased to 70 people in June, and may increase to 90 soon. Where are you getting this information? It goes against what everyone has always said about the game. Um, he's awful angry about it, though. Erebus Jones, if, if we're doing in-stream co corrections, the correct plural of Lego is Lego. Yeah. There's no such thing as Legos. Yeah, the other one everyone gets wrong is Amiibos. Matt gets really mad when I correct him on that. <laughs> he really does. I don't know why. Every time I say, you know, it's Amiibo, he's like, I know. I'm like, okay, I get it. Uh, uh, here's the last one then, uh, the legacy. Should developers form a union? Yes, they absolutely should form a union. The, um, look, some of the, and of note, also another story that broke today that I'm sure most of the people watching this don't really care about, but Kate Edwards, the head of the IDGA, stepped down today. Um, and uh, she has been great for the IDGA and for the industry in general. She's done an amazing job. I have no idea why she stepped down. She is someone who came from PR, who I worked with for like 13 years, and just stepped in to run that organization. And she's done a great job uh, making games something that's more accepted around the world. And and uh, she also was kind of the key in fighting for uh, for rights of game developers and getting them overtime pay. Mm -hmm. Basically, the the whole kerfuffle around the EA wife thing. Like she yeah. kind of stepped in and kind of helped with that. Um, and the EA wife thing was just the beginning. Like it, it, there were some steps made that that helped a lot. But there's still so much more work to be done. Yeah, as far still as still a lot of crunch. There is. There's way too much. And uh, and I look. I get it. It's hard to really staff up late in a project when it's almost finished and bring in fresh people and be like, hey, you haven't worked on this, and we've been working on it for three years, but go fix this. Um, it's kind of one of those things. Just organically a part of game development. But you can't 
treat people this way and especially not pay them for it and compensate them for it the way they should be. Um, things have gotten better, but there are a lot of small studios who really aren't are under the purview of, play, of things like the IDGA uh, who are still getting away with this stuff. Um, and I think just other, you know, just making sure that wages are fair across the board for all developers, kind of creating a, a wage scale, so to speak, for the various jobs and departments in game development. I think it's important for that. I think it's important to make sure that they're getting paid vacation and paid time off and sick leave and maternity leave. Yeah, benefits. There's just... There's so many things that unions can help with, and, and the game industry and game development in particular is really kind of lag behind in that regard. So yes, I think that they should have a union, and I know obviously the publishers will fight it because once you're in a union, you can't push your employees around anymore, and that's exactly why they need a union. So yes, I would say a thousand percent yes, they need a union for game development. So, so uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds was originally a mod made by this one dude from Arma. However, yeah. this is made by the developer Blue Hole, which is a group of people. And look, their stuff does pop but up. But he's still the creative director. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. Well, they need to get cracking because there's a lot of problems. <laughs> if there are really that many people working on the game, my affinity for it definitely dropped a couple have you, notches. Have you had any, like, lag issues? Yeah. I mean, in, in the segment, we, I showed... I don't know if it was lag that was causing it, though. But I don't know if you saw, but, like, there's a guy laid on the ground. I have a shotgun... Literally, the, the reticule is right on his head. No, you were shooting, like, the window in front of you, I think. I was outside. Was, this Maybe was outside. I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, that might be. I was outside. And, but uh, there's definitely some stuff where, like, if you think you're, like, at a tree and you should be shooting around it and you're shooting into the tree, like, I think the bullets come out of, like, your chest instead of the gun. Now you can see, though, because you'll see, like, the divots in the tree. And in that exact clip, like, if you watch, you can see that I shoot once... And you see the divot go out of the tree, and I notice it, and then I move over to make sure I'm not shooting into the tree anymore. And so then that's I, like... Then I okay. pump three slugs into him, and it just does nothing. And he shoots me once and kills me. <laughs> uh, but other, otherwise, though, I think the latency in that game is really good. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna um, compliment it. Yes, I, sure. I haven't had any For issues For sure. Whatsoever. I've had very minimal Especially issues. with a hundred fucking people around. It's un unbelievable. Yeah, the, but I mean, look, man, I used They're to play... some things right. Yeah, for sure. I'm, look, I used to play Star Siege Tribes with 64 people on a 56k modem. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. With, like, no lag on AOL. So, there's no reason for lag in these games when you have the pipes that we have now. I mean, think about that. 64 people playing a shooter where you can fly. That's not pipes. That's latency. What do you mean? Uh, the size of your pipe is the amount of information you can send. Your latency it's is how, quickly how it goes fast back and forth. it gets there. Right. But so, like, he's auto-picking people that all have low latencies to each other, theoretically. Right. right. But, like, back in the old days, you picked a server that had a low ping. Like, you just did that yourself. So right. Like, I'm just saying that all this stuff works automatically and it works very quickly. It does. It works great. And yeah, that is lag not is, a foregone conclusion. Yeah, lag is really not a problem, so... Especially in these kind of survival games like Rust and DayZ and stuff like that, like, uh, especially Rust. I had a ton of issues. Yeah. Again, if I can play... Star Siege Tribes on a 56k modem with no lag with 64 people on huge maps with vehicles. But I'm just saying my point was a 56k modem does not change. Yes, latency has gotten better over the time but the fact that it was a 56k modem does not affect your lag. Really? Yeah. I guess it depends on how much data is being sent. Not much. You're just yeah. sending player positions and like stuff like that. Yeah. It's not a lot of data. Alright folks. That's it for Game Face episode 92. 
big July 4th weekend coming up for our fellow Americans. So if you guys are going out to uh, cookouts or whatever and you have yourself a beverage, do not drive. Be safe. Uh, Uber is way too cheap for you to do something that crazy. Uh, make sure you have a designated driver or you take a cab or take an Uber or a Lyft or something like that. But have fun. Don't not go because I told you not to drink and drive. <laughs> go just go, don't drink go get and drive. drunk. Just don't drive is what I'm saying. Uh, big thanks to Brent for coming in today and filling in for Matt. Thanks. You did a great job, man. It was fun talking games with you as always. Uh, like I said, next week we may have a guest host again. We may not. Matt is not sure when he's coming back from up north. So it'll be potluck. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Any housekeeping on the site? I don't think so. I think everything's going pretty well. Everyone seems to have transitioned over to the $4 a month model. No problems. A couple kinks here and there maybe, but otherwise I think it's gone pretty well. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Not easy to do. So you can thank Brent for that. So everybody have a great holiday, a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Game Face is up and out.